What's up, everything? It's been a crazy week for the NHL with trades, rumors, awards, and more. A Stanley Cup winning coach has found a new home, but what does that mean for the year's hottest free agent? The NHL draft starts tomorrow night. Are the Blues ready? Are you? Are we? We'll try to figure that out ahead, so let's get started and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. It is Thursday, June 21st on the eve of the NHL entry draft for 2018. We are coming to you from our regal and extravagant studios in the pillow fort which Mark Bergevin has built under the Canadian's draft table (laughs) to shield himself from the encroaching darkness. Ian Peters, how are you doing tonight? It's it's very comfy in here. (laughs) It's a very comfy place. It's a very sad place. I'm really glad I made made it through that kind of I mean I didn't really but it could have been a lot worse Mm -hmm. because when I wrote it I was like not a chance (laughs) you're saying this one uh yeah so the NHL draft starts tomorrow and we're very excited it's basically Mm -hmm. Christmas for guys that we kind of know about a little bit with weird names from foreign countries that's the equivalent of Christmas for us (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how you celebrate Christmas at home, listeners, but that's our Christmas. Uh, yeah, uh, we are planning to join together to watch all of the draft and then have a draft reaction bonus episode this weekend. So uh, look forward to all of that stuff. Follow us on Twitter at Two Guys No Cup. If for some reason you haven't already, you have. Um, <laughs> we'll be there all weekend giving you our thoughts our jokes, our ramblings, and our something else. Eternal sadness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll be leeching off of Peter Tr- or off of Mark Bergerman. I already forgot which GM I made fun there's, of. There's a couple that are pretty bad. And speaking of GMs worthy of making fun of, and Mark Bergerman himself, uh, we'll start with... it's it's It was hard to order this week's podcast, so if it's a bit all over the place... We're sorry, but we've got a lot to get through. We'll start with probably the earliest news item of the week, uh, which was the, I guess you could say monumental, significant for a one-for-one trade, uh, the trade of Max Domi and Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, The Canadians traded, I think, a third overall draft pick once upon a time Mm -hmm. in Alex Galchenyuk to the Coyotes for Max Domi, who himself was like a top five pick, I think, as well. Top ten or something Um, like that. Uh, both players had, you know, rumored, had been rumored to be on the outs with their teams at different times. You heard that, uh, you know, we all heard that Domi was on the trade block last uh, or last trade deadline, and now he's moved to uh, Montreal in exchange for Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, Ian, I'll let you get the first crack at this one. What were your initial responses to this deal? I first thought this was a pretty even trade. Then I thought it was not an even trade at all, and now I'm slowly moving back towards even trade. I think Galchenyuk's a more dynamic player. I think he's a player that both teams could use more than Domi, than either of them could use Domi. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily 
a bad trade for Montreal. I think it's a good trade for Arizona. I think in a vacuum it's fine, but we're not in a vacuum. And I think Galchenyuk was something that the Canadians, a player the Canadians could have used more than Domi. Domi's a good player. He's kind of a more of a playmaker, I'd say, than Galchenyuk. I think Galchenyuk's more of a shooting center, whereas um, Domi's more of like a playmaking winger. But the Canadians need centers. Mm-hmm. They weren't playing Galchenyuk as a center. And regardless of that fact, they they need centers. And they traded away a guy that they could have used at center. And now they're down an option, and they mm-hmm. still don't have a center. So getting Max Domi back is fine. But I liken this to the Blues trading for Max Domi. That's great. I like Max Domi. He's a great player. I think he's going to rebound from last season. We don't need Max Domi. Mm-hmm. The Canadians, I don't think, need Max Domi. No, but he was real excited. Oh, he's so happy to, to be there. For a, such a prestigious organization, and you know how that plays up in Montreal. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, on the surface, it's. I think it's still a loss for the Canadians, on, even on the surface. I'd say so because I, I like I like both players. They're both great. I just. For one thing, like you said, Montreal needs centers. Alex Galchenyuk was drafted as a center, I think. Mm-hmm. And M- Montreal refused to play in there, but uh, Max, or not Max Domi, uh, Peter Cheka, John Cheka, Peter didn't say <laughs> John Cheka immediately was like, oh yeah, we wouldn't, I don't know if we would have made this deal if we weren't ready to try Alex at center, you know? And uh, I just, why would you trade a guy who could be a center, which you desperately need, for a guy who's definitely not yeah, a You are not playing Max Domi uh, Their contracts, I mean, Domi's making less over the next two years. He was an RFA. He signed, a, I think, a two-year deal in the neighborhood of $3 million. Mm-hmm. Um, Galchenyuk's got two more years on his deal at $4.9 million. Uh, but, man, I just, I don't know. I th- and my, I think my bigger problem to talk about that is, like, I wonder what you left on the table with this deal. Mm. And I think that's the bigger question because Mark Bergevin is flighty and panicky and hard to predict, even though he claims to be very patient. He's an Um, enigma. And I think, I just think the perceived value of Alex Galchenyuk before this trade had to be so much higher than Max Domi because Max Domi, I mean, let's face it. Max Domi was a young player with high draft stock who was openly on the trade block for the Arizona Coyotes. That does not speak highly of him. And I think he's a good player. But the fact that they were like, yeah, this is a guy we can let go of when all they need to do right now is stockpile young players with bright futures says all you need to know about what his trade value was. And then Galchenyuk, I know that the Canadians have always been hot and cold on him, but I just think you could have gotten out and got a lot more than Max Domi for this guy. Mm -hmm. And if you were going to trade him for Max Domi, like Max Domi could have been the centerpiece of the return, but you'd still need to get a pick or another prospect or something just to smooth out the margins here a little bit. Because it's not really, it's not about whether the value to me of these two guys ends up being about equal. I think it's more about what um, what they could have gotten for Galchenyuk. There was an example. I've used this example a couple of times. There was a, a, play, a person in one of my fantasy baseball leagues who added Matt Kemp for $11. He's having a really good season, but 
he didn't need to wager $11 on him. He could have gotten him for two, you know, because it was one of those free agent waiver ad things. I know that's a random example, but it's kind of like, it's not about whether he was worth $11. It's about the fact that you could have gotten him for two and didn't and mm-hmm. wasted $9, you know. And I think Alex Galchenyuk, it's not about whether Max Domi was a good return. It's about how much more you could have gotten. And I think there was more on the table for mm-hmm. him. But what do I know? I'm not making the negotiation. I think time will prove one of these two general managers right. And my gut instinct is that it's going to be John Jacob. <laughs> Montreal also needs goal scoring really bad. Mm-hmm. They're 29th last year in goals for. Yeah, and Domi's not primarily a scorer. He's not, he? and Galchenyuk is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, granted, Arizona's right behind them at 30th, but like I think Galchenyuk at center uh-huh. is the type of player where you think... If you're playing someone at center, it's the kind of guy you want to have the puck more. Mm-hmm. And I want Alex Galchenyuk to have the puck more. And he's going to have it more in Arizona. Yeah, and they've pretty much said uh, Max Pacioretty's on his way out. Who was a 30-goal scorer every year yeah, I don't, yeah. this year. I don't know what their plan is. And they is. let Radulov walk. It's just, I think this team gets fixated on things. Mm-hmm. And it just makes decisions. The wrong things. The wrong decisions. Mm. And... Then it goes in that direction. I mean, like, Max Pacioretty has never comfortably been the captain up there because oh, he's no. an American, and so they were angry about that from the start. And it's like, okay, but you that's not a winning strategy in 2018's NHL. You know, maybe in the 70s and 80s and 60s and 50s and whatever, you could stockpile all the French Canadians you wanted and have the best team and be the Yankees of hockey, which they certainly are. But I think that team and quite frankly the fan base needs to adjust a little bit to the realities of you know 2018 and realize that you know they don't their their crap doesn't (laughs) smell like roses as the expression goes Mm -hmm. and start to kind of behave like a team who deserved to get the third overall pick last year and not like a team who should have the cachet of the Montreal Canadiens you know, the hockey club mm. de Canadian or whatever their <laughs> LHC is. So I think I, I think that fan base is in for a long and hard adjustment period to the reality of their future if they don't sort sort to start to sort of appreciate what they have a little bit and make wiser decisions. But that's just my two cents. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel. Oh yeah. They I in my opinion they just gotta rebuild the whole thing. Yeah. They've been treading water and not even well for like the last four years, at least five years. They need to just admit that it's not working and start over. They have assets to trade. Yeah, and that and I think they'd be quick. To, I think they'd be quick to rebuild too. You I, could rebuild if you traded Galchenyuk and or not. Well, obviously you've done that, but if you traded uh, uh, Pacioretty mm-hmm. and Price and Shea Weber and some of their other you know mm-hmm. older established guys and. Trade, trade us Brendan Gallagher. Brendan I don't Gallagher, know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you trade all those guys, you can get huge returns for all those people and be set up. It's not, you know, I, I, I've always thought this with rebuilds, which aren't as common in hockey because you're always sort of contending because more than half of the teams get into the playoffs. Yeah. But, like, you are only due for a long, long rebuild if you had the opportunity for a short one and screwed up. You know, because mm-hmm. in baseball, you look at teams like the Astros and Cubs that went through five-year 
long, painful, losing 100-game rebuilds. That The Yankees didn't have to do that. Because mm-hmm. the Yankees in, like, 2015 were like, oh, crap, we're terrible. Let's trade all the people we have can get any value for. And now they're one of the best teams in baseball already three years later. And they were pretty good last year. They were in the, you know, comp- uh, semifinals, basically, mm-hmm. of the whole thing. So, sorry to keep using baseball analogies <laughs> on our hockey <laughs> no, podcast. No one knows anything about that sport. But, <laughs> but my, I don't. My point is, like, if you embrace it while you still have value, mm-hmm. you can dig out of it a lot faster. Whereas if you try to pretend you're great when you're not for mm-hmm. 10 more years and then you have nothing, you have no idea, you have no chance of rebuilding with anything. To the Canadians' credit, while we're talking rebuilds, this year in the 2018 draft, they don't have a 6th round or a 7th round pick, which doesn't matter. They have their first round, which is third overall, Mm -hmm. and then they have four second round picks. One third round pick and three fourth round picks. Nice. That's pretty, I gotta say, that's pretty good for a team that's still trying to win now and could kind of build. I mean, you want to hit on some of those, obviously, but... I I think they st- still would do themselves a service, like you said, to kind of just admit not as good. And th- I think they f- they do that now. Like you said, they could be really good mm-hmm. in a couple of years. And I think, you know, I, I make fun of Mark Bergevin and Peter Chiarelli a lot, but I think Bergevin... Rightfully so. Right, yeah. But I think Bergevin, more than Chiarelli, has the potential to be a, a halfway decent GM. Mm-hmm. If He just has to be freed... To like pursue every option, it ha- it can't always be win now because that team's not in a place to win mm-hmm. now, and that's what you know. You can say you had the best goalie in hockey, and I still think they do, but he doesn't have a defense in front of him, <laughs> and this wingers or you know the offense in front of them can't score goals. So it's like, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. You can't. He can't just put the team on the back on his back. God knows he tries, you <laughs> know. And he's it's just I I think if they hadn't had Carey Price for the last five years, they would have been even worse than than they have been, mm-hmm. you know, because we saw what happened a couple of years ago when he got hurt. Uh, let's move on to what was maybe the more newsworthy trade s- trade chain, as it turned <laughs> out, uh, for the originally Ottawa Senators and San Jose Sharks. Uh, we talked at length, uh, ad nauseum, some might say, <laughs> about the uh, chaos in Ottawa last uh, week, and you can revisit that episode if you haven't already, but... Um, Mike Hoffman, uh, who, of course, was at, at the center of a lot of the drama with Eric Carlson and the Ottawa Senators, uh, did get traded. And as we expected, or thought we expected, his trade value was absolutely bubkus out of Ottawa. Nothing. They had no leverage, and they traded him uh, to the um, San Jose Sharks along with Cody Donahue. Donahue, 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 Donahue something, <laughs> and a fifth round pick uh, to the San Jose Sharks in exchange for Mikel Bodker, Julius Bergman, and a sixth round pick. So just let's just talk about this one right. so that we can set up the next one, um, because as most of you will know, Hoffman is not is already not a San Jose Shark. <laughs> uh, but I mean, even this trade, you see how terrible the value was for the Senators. They got Mikel Bodker, who wasn't anything in mm. I mean they probably won't buy him out because why bother they're so bad you know and mm. he's like a rosterable NHL yeah. player he's a he's a Berglund version of a winger yeah and he wasn't anything for the um Sharks the last couple of years no. which 
couple years back, I really wanted us to sign him, so I'm glad that we didn't. Yeah. Uh, but they got that, and then they, they swapped a couple of kind of AHL pieces. I don't think either Donahue or Bergman are particularly high prospects. And then they had to give up a fifth and receive a sixth in this <laughs> deal, which makes no sense to me because the two given the two teams, that's probably a, a drop of about 50 spots. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a significant downgrade of picks. It's not just like, okay, well, we're at the top of the sixth round. You're at the bottom of the fifth. I mean, that's a pretty sizable drop. Uh, so uh, this was literally just a we, we've got to get him out of here deal. But then within about an hour, yeah. you know, the Sharks had flipped uh, Mike Hoffman and a fifth, seventh round pick this year. Uh, to the Florida Panthers for a 2019 second-round pick and a 2018 fourth-round pick and was the fifth from 18 or 19? The fifth was 2018, too. Okay. Uh, So so two picks in this year's draft, a fourth and a fifth, and a second-round pick in next year's draft, Florida traded to get Mike Hoffman to, who, to his credit, is a 30-goal-scoring capable winger. Mm -hmm. So he will be a nice addition to their, well, not nice personally, but a talented (laughs) addition to their forward core. Uh, And I should say, I don't know that Mike Hoffman himself isn't a very nice person though he seems to have bad taste and significant (laughs) others um basically the story here is that pierre dorian refused to trade within his division where the florida panthers play and therefore uh you get to hear the ringing of my (laughs) telephone the text message you know the telephone as us millennials call it operator hello hello kids um yeah, so Pierre Dorian refused to trade in his division, and he there therefore got absolutely fleeced by Doug Wilson and the San Jose Sharks. The Sharks, in turn, got rid of Mikel Bodker's $4 million a year for this year and next, I think. I think two more yeah. years. Uh, so they sh- shaved $4 million in cap space and picked up, I'm trying to get four picks and whoever the heck Christian Bergman is. Uh, and that's not the right one. That's the one they gave up. Uh, Cody Donahue, Christian Bergman's not a person. It <laughs> he never was, was. It was Julius Bergman. Right. But yeah, Cody Donahue, who maybe is a third line, third pairing defenseman, probably just an AHL guy, but he's a, a player. He's a body. And all they gave up basically in the whole thing was like a seventh, a fifth, and a player they never had to begin with. <laughs> and Mikel Vodker, who was a salary dump. I mean, it's brilliant from Doug Wilson's perspective. Bravo him. A little bit of dirty pool if he didn't tell Pierre Dorian he was going to do this. But quite frankly, Ottawa deserves a little dirty pool thrown yeah. their way. So I don't feel too bad. And quite frankly, and I'll, I will let you speak, I promise. Pierre Dorian's an idiot for saying he wouldn't trade in his own division because if you can get the most value in your own division, do it because you're a junk garbage team and you need to get the most value for anything, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this offer was on the table as as it reads from uh, the Panthers to the Senators, but you'd have to think they were somewhere near this, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just an unbelievable screw-up by the Senators, as always. I can't see any way they're not picking first overall next year. And by that, I mean the Colorado Avalanche. (laughs) So congratulations, Avs correspondent Jordan. Jack Hughes is your very own special boy. Oh, my God. Uh, Do you have comments on this malfeasance? Uh, 
Not really. It's I mean, Sharks obviously win the trade. They got what four picks, a player, and dumped four million in cap space for a player they didn't like. You said didn't really use, didn't mm-hmm. really care any either way. I don't know. Mike Hoffman for the Panthers that'll be good for them. I can't. I I gotta think he maybe had a little more value than what they traded him for. But at the same time, I get it because they're like, we just want they him got gone. Nothing for yeah. him. Nothing at all, and like I can't, I, I don't mean to like. I'm not trying to beat up on them because, mm-hmm. like you said, to some extent, it's just get rid of all of them. But they got bubkiss in exchange for. You Mike think Hoffman. Doug Wilson's in his ear though when they're talking about this? Is like, dude, like no one is gonna take this guy for you. Like no one wants this guy. I've been talking, Pierre. I've been talking to the other GMs that you haven't been, and they don't like this guy mm. or you. <laughs> I don't like you. I um, talked to Dale Talon specifically, and he mm. said he hates you. Yeah, he said and he hates your guts. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll look. I'll give you a little, a little bit of trash for him. You know, I can give you something. And he's like, all right, okay, fine. And he's like, <laughs> here you go, Florida. Here's your guy. Yeah, I. It's. I mean, it's a slam dunk for San Jose. I think it's. A, I think it's probably a reach for the Panthers. I think they weirdly get left out of this because the story mm-hmm. is all on the, the flipping side and the Florida and the, um, the Ottawa side. I don't know how strong their locker room is. Maybe they've adjusted. That is weird. Maybe I they're prepared. Obviously, you'd have to be. It's not like the story is now. Well, that's what I mean. I'm guessing Dale Talon talked to these guys and yeah. was like, hey, we're going to bring in Mike Hoffman. Maybe Mike Hoffman swore he would, whatever, drop his fiance. Yeah, I'm I don't Probably know. I mean, not. I don't know. But the other thing to that is, like, did Florida really need another talented-ish winger? No, no. This, this, <laughs> I know it seems easy to say because it's already happened, but like Mike Hoffman fits in Florida because uh-huh. he's a guy that can score, but he's not going to do enough not to make score. you a, a better team. I <laughs> yeah, don't know. Maybe I, you put him with Barkov. I got no idea. It's fu- I mean, it's fine for the Panthers. It's not. I mean, they didn't pay top dollar for him mm-hmm. considering they were asking for like a blue chipper and a first rounder at the deadline. Um, yeah. I feel bad for teams like, Florida and Arizona and stuff because they're just small, extremely small markets, and they just kind of get the garbage. They they essentially will include uh, Carolina too. They get Chicago's garbage. They oh, get, we're getting to yeah. that. We'll discuss that. Yeah, that's always just like here's a guy. You know, nobody wants Mike Hoffman. There was no way. Like I kind of understood the Sharks maybe having him, but I was like, there's no way a team like say Vancouver is holding on to Mike Hoffman because that would be you know reprehensible or whatever mm-hmm. so but florida will because florida understands their place they're the garbage my, team I mean, not you know for mike from mike hoffman's perspective this might be about the best move he can yeah. hope for because he's totally forgotten down oh yeah there. and you i don't can mean just that sit to there be and be cruel, quiet but like he can just be down there and be chilling and hopefully figure out what the hell's going on in his personal life mm-hmm. and i don't say that with any malice like something's up there yeah, that, was, that, that would help like um yeah, I mean, I don't want to dwell on it too much longer. I just think it's a, it's a weird scenario. It's just the start in Ottawa. They're for oh, sure yeah. tearing everything down, and they have to at this point. Here, what do you think of the chances are that Eric Carlson gets traded at the draft? I think that they're low only because I think Pierre Dorian will just for whatever semblance of appearances he can still muster together, we'll wait until July 1st, give him an offer, 
have him officially reject it so that he can say, we tried. And Melnick can say, we tried. And Melnick can say, we offered, we offered Eric Carlson $5 million for six years. <laughs> and he didn't like it. <laughs> he didn't like it. It's like if somebody comes up to the McDonald's and they're like, <laughs> do you want a McFlurry? And you're like, no, the shake machine's broken as it always is. And then they just leave. What are you supposed to do? You can't stop them. You can't stop them. I mean, the machine works, but you can't stop them because <laughs> your employees are lazy. That's how he'd explain it to the, to the paying fans in Ottawa. Okay. Are too few by Eugene Melnick's standards, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's I, I think they will probably wait for that reason. But it could happen. I could see tomorrow being explosive and exa- insane, or I could see like nothing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know last year a good amount of stuff happened on the second round, so I'm excited to that we're going to be watching and tweeting about that as well at the mm-hmm. time because I think that was when like the Johnny Boychuk deal went down and different things. Yeah. So. Um, it's like eating a spicy burrito. No, who was the guy that went from New York to Calgary? Oh, um, you know who why I'm did you do about. this to I'm me? Because <laughs> he's so forgettable. Yep. We'll think of it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, moving on for the moment. Uh, as Ian looks that up, um, I have to. Where do we go next? Do you want to talk about the draft since we're already there? Yeah, we can do that. Um, the How about you talk a little <laughs> bit more though? <laughs> Because I need a well, moment. Well, you look up this person whose name starts with an L, maybe. No, uh, <laughs> I don't think. I don't think so. Uh, if I know one thing, <laughs> not start with mm-hmm. an L. I'll tell you that much. Uh, yeah. So the NHL draft takes place tomorrow night and uh, Saturday in Dallas at the American Airlines Center. Uh, the first round and only the first round takes place tomorrow night. Uh, and then the second round through seventh round will take place on Saturday. Uh, the Blues currently hold, I think, everything but a third round pick. I want to say they don't have a third. I don't remember where that went. Uh, but they have the Winnipeg Jets pick at 29th. Travis Hammond, I think. Thank you. No, no L's in no, that. <laughs> negative L's. Uh, but um, <laughs> uh, the boys hold the 29th pick, which they got in uh, from Winnipeg in the deal for Paul Stasny. Um, and, you know, there's lots of speculation that maybe they'll trade that. We have a pick I, in every round. Sorry. Oh, we do? Yeah. Okay, nice. I don't know why I didn't. I thought we didn't have a third. Do we not have a third next year? We don't have a fourth for fourth the... Oh, God, why is that? Uh, Eric Foley? Knows. They gave us a pick. They gave us a conditional pick. Anyway. Oh, Nikita Sashnikov. Oh, there you go. Nice. Nice. Um, like a steel trap yeah, sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, yeah, so... I, I could see the Blues trading that. I, I think it's more likely than not that they trade it, but who knows? I could see the Blues just trading up in the draft, trading down in the draft. I, I could see them doing anything. Do you truly feel like we're going to trade this? More likely than not. I'm starting to feel like we're not going to. Though. I think we will. I think we're more likely than not to do something. I think. Let me put it this way. I okay. think the chances of us picking at 29th, very low. Because we saw what Doug Armstrong did... Yeah. Last year, granted, he had two picks, but he picked it the first one and then did all sorts of crazy crap. With it. <laughs> or no, he didn't pick it the first one. No, he didn't. We picked yeah, Robert okay. Thomas. And then yeah. he traded the second one, but then it traded back in. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so who knows? But I, I really doubt they pick at 29th. Um, if they do, that's when I'm just going to start cheat quenching from then until like July 5th and Ugh. just be like, 
terrified the entire time. Yeah, but we'll if, see. If we move the pick, I'll feel a lot better that there's like a, I don't know, a plan, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? For those of you who don't maybe follow the offseason as closely, tomorrow's the start. Like, it could all start tomorrow. It will all start tomorrow. So uh, the NHL really doesn't have a break. It's break. It it has the offseason, like, right pushed up against the postseason. What and was then it, it's like break. two weeks? Yeah. So, yeah. And then it's real break is, like, July, you know, 2nd, really, on. Mm-hmm. But whatever, you know, there's a little... A little work here, done here and there, but all the people, all the like NHL reporters, just are gone on the second. So it's real quiet. Uh, yeah. So that'll be the dark period. But anyway, um, let's say the Blues use the 29th overall pick to select a player mm-hmm. in this NHL draft. In this the 2018 you, NHL draft. <laughs> do you have any names you're monitoring who might be available there and might be of interest to the Blues? I do, but I've been assisted greatly by the internet. (laughs) (laughs) First Uh, of all, we should say, let's discuss a little bit what the Blues' needs are. I think the Blues always need centers, mm. so you can never go wrong with a center. And I think the Blues are ready. It's time for the first time in a long time for them to stockpile defensemen a little bit and restock the cupboard. However, I think Doug Armstrong and Bill Armstrong, for that matter, have been pretty open about the fact that they use a best talent available approach pretty rigorously, Mm -hmm. and so they're not going to draft to need. And honestly, I think that's the best approach to mm-hmm. take so uh that maybe doesn't factor in but why don't you tell us what who you have um i'll get this out of the way all i got four guys they're all centers nice now these are <laughs> this was brought to us sort of by Sportsnet. the athletic had two and tsn had one so these are all mock drafts where they put the blues in and around these uh these players and I checked each mock draft to see if maybe they sort of matched the other one. And I got to tell you, these four guys kind of vary wildly. Some of them fall behind us into like the 30th, 31st, maybe even second round. And sometimes some of these guys fall like way ahead of us in another mock draft at like 16 or 17. So these could all vary greatly. But either way, you have Liam Foudy, who is a center. He's a lefty. Played for the London Knights Hate this past it. year. Oh, London Knights. <laughs> yeah, love, love it. it. <laughs> OHL. Uh, this is from Sportsnet. He was first and foremost, he's an elite skater. He's a dynamic center with athleticism to spare. I believe both of his parents, they said, were his mom was like an Olympic Olympic athlete and his dad did something unrelated to hockey. Cocaine. But, <laughs> not to that. Um, something, something else athletic. Uh, he plays the role of an offensive catalyst. He's definitely more of a playmaker. Foudy struggled in his first season with the London Knights uh, two seasons ago. and he, But that's with a team that tends to not play younger players the most. They tend to play some of their older players just trying to be better in the OHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Foudy greatly improved this year, though, with 25 goals and 40 points in 65 games in the second season. Uh, his projection's about a top-nine playmaking center. It's really hard later in these rounds to project someone as like a top six at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys are going to be your top 15, top 10 guys in the draft. Uh, comparable that TSN had for him was Michael Grabner. I mean, that's pretty good. I think, what, Thomas, what did Robert Thomas get last year? He got Bo Horvat. So you're going to get some guys where you're kind of like, really? That's my first-round pick? But yeah. some of these aren't too bad. Robert I mean, you're... Thomas turned into a lot more than Bo Horvat. <laughs> Who would even want Bo Horvat? <laughs> Speaking of Robert Thomas, we have an unrelated player as a, the next one I found on The Athletic. 
uh, Akil. Akil, is that we're going with? That's A K I L. Akil Thomas. He's a center. <laughs> He's a righty. Played for the Niagara Ice Dogs of the OHL. He's a top point scorer, or he was the top point scorer in the OHL among draft eligible players. So 80 points in 68 games. That's pretty good. Hockey IQ to spare, a cerebral player who can slow the game down with his puck handling skills. He proves elusive in tight spaces against opponents. Uh, he's listed kind of actually in the athletic as a lesser version of Robert Thomas. Again, no relation style-wise. Uh, projection, they do say he might be a top six playmaking forward. This is the guy that I saw that went, like I think, maybe as high as 16th for like the Anaheim Ducks or somebody like that. So mm-hmm. he might not be there. If he is, I'd like to get him. His comparable is uh, Riley Smith with Vegas, who did fairly well, like everyone did in Vegas this year. So that's pretty good. Um my next guy, my third guy, this is the guy that I think I would love us to get. He's varied wildly, like I think 30 pick range between like 15th and all the way to like 45th or mm-hmm. something. Isaac Lundstrom, center lefty from Lulia of the Swedish Hockey League. Oh yeah, baby. This is also in the need athletic. Need more Swedes. I've got the need for Swedes. <laughs> uh, Lundstrom is projected to be a reliable two-way center who uses his speed and powerful skating to be aggressive on the forecheck. He's very versatile, can be played up and down the lineup, and responsible in all zones of the ice. Not as much of an impact player when it comes to scoring as other centers coming out of the Swedish Elite League. Good to great at everything. Amazing or elite at none. Projection is probably a top six two-way forward, and the comparable for TSN I thought was... Funny, but made me really like raise my eyebrows a little bit. They said it wasn't a player, it was Swiss Army Knife, which is kind of interesting. But he's Swedish. Yeah, Swedish <laughs> Army Knife. Um, I saw a lot of different things in this guy. It went from his projections were kind of either a responsible player who's like boring, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's what I'd use, like responsible but nothing flashy, to like almost like the same description but somehow turned in a better light, like uber responsible and like a dude you can play anywhere so it sort of went you, from like eh to you know like oh this weirdly reminds me of is when we drafted robert thomas last yeah, year. yeah that's what i thought because i mean and i don't mean to take off take over your segment no but, i mean go ahead no that. but i think i mean i remember very distinctly when we drafted robert thomas some of the reaction at the desk was oh boy mm-hmm. you know i had this guy a lot lower and then some of the other people were like well we had him higher you know and mm-hmm. And I, th- I think it was because nothing about Thomas's skill set necessarily flies off the page at you, or at the time didn't necessarily. Um, you know, he wasn't particularly fast. He didn't have incredible hands, anything like that. But he was just responsible. And the Blues have always said, or have said a lot recently at least, that hockey sense is really something they look for mm-hmm. in their players. So that would make uh, some sense I think for no, I think the you, Swede. <laughs> you highlighted kind of why I like this guy a lot. I when we've talked about trades and I've seen trades listed on Twitter that people would like to have and everything like that, and I've seen a few where people have gone crazy with um, Schwartz for somebody or something like that. And all I can never think of is this team needs more offense for sure, mm-hmm. but also you can't you can't quite sacrifice sometimes like two-way players that are going to be like sort of the bread and butter of your team. I'd call it like the foundation of your team. And if you can get a guy that's projected to be like a six-way or a six-way, a six-way player, <laughs> a, uh, a uh, top six forward that uh, has like the ability to just sort of do it all, 
Mm-hmm. Like, that's super valuable. I get he's not like a playmaking winger. He's not super flashy, but you want somebody that's essentially what I would call like, I don't know if he performs in the playoffs, but mm-hmm. sounds like a playoff performer pedigree where it's like they can just be used anywhere. Yeah, and I heard, I think it was on 31 Thoughts podcast this past week, they had a draft expert on, and he kind of said generally he thought if your first-round pick wasn't a top-six forward or a top-four defenseman or, I guess, a starting goalie eventually, uh, then it was a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and while that seems a little harsh... Mm-hmm. People, a lot of people mess up their picks in the first round of the NHL draft, so I think that's a pretty good standard yeah. to go by, you know? This is kind of interesting. The, the fourth and final guy I have is sort of a contrast to what we were just talking about with Lundstrom sort of being less flashy, more responsible. You have Rasmus Kupari, a center from Karpat in the Finnish Elite League. This was TSN's pick for the Blues. He's a strong skater with excellent balance, agility, and edge work, a great stick handling abilities. Dynamic in the offensive zone, but needs to improve in the neutral zone in his own end. His ceiling is a top-line offensive threat in the NHL, but he has some work ahead of him to get to get to and reach his potential. His projection is a top-line dynamic forward. He's comparable, they had at least, was Charlie Coyle, who I think actually is pretty good because that is somebody that the Wild had projected to be like a very dynamic offensive player for them. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, he hasn't been terrible, but it's kind of, you know, moved down the ranks a little bit. But Kupari is definitely someone I would think the Blues would pick if, say, it was last year and we had our two picks. Yeah, it's almost it's kind of similar to the uh, Thomas Costin pick, although Costin's maybe not as flashy as Kupari sounds. It's would be your responsible pick in Lundstrom first, and then you're kind of like boom or bust, you know, sort of uh, Rasmus Kupari pick, where it's like this guy could be like a top line winger. Mm-hmm. We don't know, and he's a lot of work out of him. I think he's pretty young, too. He might be only 18 currently or 17 going on 18. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be interesting. I don't know if I'd take him when we only have the one first round. Mm-hmm. And I do think they've seen people go a little bit earlier. I've, every time I see flashy winger, I swear to you, every time I've read that on these mock drafts, they're they're a uh, Chicago Blackhawk pick. They, I think every mock draft is like, we know what they like to draft, and the Blackhawks draft short, tiny, offensive-minded, Alex DeBrincat, yeah, all those sorts of guys, yeah. and it's like, ugh. It's worked well. Yeah, yeah. it's. I guess it works. The, uh, that's, uh, yeah, I think any of those guys would be interesting. Who do you think you're most interested in? I think Lundstrom. I'd go Lundstrom, Thomas, Kupari, and then Foudy. Gotta have two Thomases, right? Oh, yeah, just to confuse the shit out of people. <laughs> so we can have Thomas, Thomas, and Thompson. Um, oh, I think baby, Akil, I didn't even think about that. I think Akil Thomas is probably more of, like, not having watched much of Robert Thomas play, I think Akil Thomas is um, more of a playmaker than Robert Thomas. Or I should say maybe, I should say, actually, probably more, like, physical. A more mm-hmm. physical playmaker, whereas Thomas, I think, is maybe more cerebral from what i've heard yeah um but that's definitely something you'd like to have it's nice to have just centers in your pipeline because yeah. we don't even i like thomas there but we don't really much. have anyone after thomas well, at this point. And plus i mean we it can be easy for to uh, for us to forget and i'm not trying to pour cold water on it because god knows we've been hyped all season but robert thomas hasn't proved anything yeah. in the nhl yet, you know so you can't just be like well this guy's a top mm-hmm. six center for sure 100 percent. i think it's very likely yeah. at this point but you there's no guarantee so you need to have backup plans yeah uh let's let's just 
a couple of names we'll talk about in the rest of the draft that are interesting. Uh, another friggin' Kachuk kid is available mm-hmm. this year. Um, Which one's this, Brady? Matthew's younger brother, Brady. Yeah, yeah uh, he's been projected as a top 10 pick, but I've seen people say he was falling a little bit. It would be... Mm. Is, he, is he falling... Because other people are rising? I think it's got more to do with that. I okay. don't think he's terrible or anything, uh, but it'd be cool, you know, if he falls into the early teens or something and the Blues traded up and drafted him, you know, depending on the cost, that'd be really interesting. Um, the uh, the guy who is supposed to go first overall next year, Jack Hughes, who is very uh, already very hyped as a 17-year-old player, has an older brother, Quinn. I think uh, yeah, Quinn, Quinn Hughes, Hughes. Uh, who is uh, available this year and is supposed to be like a top half of the first-round pick, which I was thinking about, got to be kind of emasculating, where you're <laughs> going to be a first-round selection and people are already like more hyped on your younger brother. That's got to <laughs> be a little embarrassing. Uh, but Quinn Hughes is a defenseman, right? I, I think, think so. he might be, okay. yeah. Um, and then, uh, what's the name of the guy with all the behavioral issues? That oh, I can't... Ryan Merkley. Ryan Merkley. Yeah. He's a player who's a defenseman who's supposed to have a ton of offensive potential. Um, and is supposed to arguably have like top 10 potential, uh, but is also, I don't know all the details really, but just has a really bad yeah, I history. Think, of I think he's got like temper problem. Yeah. And I think the other thing I read His a lot. dad maybe is like weirdly involved or something. I'm, I'm sure. But, but like, I think the other thing too, that I always, that I thought was the worst to hear was that he's really like quick to blame other people for nice. any sort of issue <laughs> on the team. Like, Hey Ryan, you pass to the opponent and he's like well the other guy should have been in front of the opponent so on him i guess hey ryan you got skated by ryan reeves well i don't care he's yeah. good <laughs> um yeah so that's not a pick i'm interested in at all for the blues supposedly he's on a bunch of teams like do not draft yeah. lists, and that's that's going to be interesting i mean if he fell to like the second or third round or something crazy uh the blues might take mm-hmm. a shot at him. I know we took a shot at uh, Connor Bleakley a couple mm-hmm. years ago who'd been a first-round pick that got bounced. And I know there's another guy who was a first-round pick, I think, last year that's yeah, back Florida. into the draft. Yeah. Um, but that's that's a guy that I heard Elliot Freeman talking about, maybe one of the teams, and I think there are five or six with two first-round picks would take yeah. a shot on him because that way if he totally busts, they've got you know another guy. Um Imagine the Islanders. I think they've got the 11th and 12th pick mm-hmm. this year. Imagine using like the 12th on that guy. I think that's still too that's early. Still too high, and yeah. poor Islanders ruining their franchise yeah, in the future. For sure. um, but I think Philly, New York, both New Yorks. Yep. Um, Detroit, mm-hmm. and then two Blackhawks. Ooh, and I oh, think one other two. team <laughs> have two first round picks. Um, and I can't remember who. The yeah, there's quite a few. And obviously, the Flyers have ours, and there's. I wonder um, if anyone's going to try and. I think grab one Detroit of those. Detroit has Vegas's and their yeah. own, which, as we all expected, is the thirtieth overall pick. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's a potential for a lot of movement tomorrow, just because of some of the rumors and stuff that's out there. Um, Man, again, there's no good order for anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's jump right into who won the NHL awards. <laughs> uh, just to quickly run run down uh, last night's winners, the Ted Lindsay Award, which is the NHLPA player vote for most outstanding player, was, of course, Connor McDavid. No surprise there. Uh, the Norris Trophy went to Victor Hedman of the Tampa Bay Lightning for, I 
think the f- second I, time in his career. I swear they first said time, first, but he was I, like a second. Maybe he was a second overall finalist. I think in, they said first, but there's no. Part of me was like, no way. I thought he already won. I think he, I think he maybe came really close. Okay. Um, Calder Trophy, which is. Uh, excuse me, the best rookie went to Matthew Barzell. No surprise there. He had like 83 points or mm-hmm. something. Not, neither of the other guys came all that close, uh, as interesting as Brock Besser was. Uh, the King Clancy Trophy, which was the humanitarian deal, went to Daniel and Henrik Sedin. They've been awesome in their support of uh, the Vancouver Children's Hospital, donated like millions and millions of dollars to it, uh, and also their huge stars that retired this year, so it was no surprise that they won that. Um the Lady Bing trophy went to William Carlson, which I correctly predicted. Mm. I predicted a clean sweep uh, for... Here we go. <laughs> for, um, we only had two different predictions, but I was But you right got them both right? Them. Uh, and I will take my victory lap. No, uh, the only my only thinking was the 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 story had to be like William Carlson's a forty goal score came out of nowhere. It's just too good a story to vote for somebody else. I think the other nominees were Barkov, yeah, and O'Reilly, O'Reilly who'd already won one, and Barkov's going to get plenty of opportunities. When so. they started saying that on the broadcast, like O'Reilly had won one before, and then they said. Carlson of the most points among all of them. Mm. I was immediately like, if I knew those two things, I would have guessed yeah, I read, William Carlson. I read the little NHL.com articles, which I have to say sometimes you almost cheated. I uh, sometimes almost <laughs> hinted at who won. Wink, and it would wink. be like one of them would start. Andre Kopitar, who isn't very likely to win a heart trophy that he certainly deserves, is also a finalist for the Selkie trophy <laughs> this year. And it's like, okay. Uh, no. Um, but speaking of Andre Kopitar, he did win the Selkie Trophy, which was the Two Way Forward Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that the other one we disagreed on? Yeah, that's did the one go that I Marsh, had. Uh, Couturier. Yeah, Couturier. He might be interesting. He'll be there for a long time. He'll probably get to win one or two. Uh, but Kopitar, I honestly just did choose him because I was like, well, he's not going to win the Hart Trophy, even though he was bonkers <laughs> good this year. So maybe they'll vote for him for this. These and trophies are bogus. That's what I thought, and that's why I won. Uh, Bill Masterson Award for Perseverance went to Brian Boyle, who battled mm, Hodgkin's lymphoma or mm. leukemia, one of them cancer things. Real awful. But he battled it and came back to the ice. He was a baller this year. Not, we don't have to go. I don't remember reading the list, and we don't have to go on long on this. But did you see they released these lists on who votes for what? Uh-huh. And there's some people that like didn't vote for Brian Boyle, and people were like, how can you not vote for <laughs> Brian Boyle? And I was like, oh no. You could see like your newspaper writer decided Brian Boyle's cancer story just wasn't sad enough. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Uh, the Jack Adams Award, no surprise here. The best coach of the year was Gerard Gallant, who took a ragtag group of misfits <laughs> all the way to Game 5 of the Stanley Cup. He was already on stage. He was, yeah. That's how that's how guaranteed this was. They'd called up all the finalists and then or they they hadn't called out the finalists. They were doing a Golden Knights segment. He was already up there, and then they were like, We'll talk about the nominees for the Jack Adams Award. And then he forgot one of his grandkids' names. Oh, that was, it was a great. great big thing. The only thing I can think of that's comparable was I know there's a famous story at the Grammys one year where Metallica had just performed like Master of Puppets or something, and they went like right into announcing Metal Album of the Year, and then they gave it to Jethro Tull, who's not even a metal fan. <laughs> oh, so there boy. you go. Um, the, they got jazz flute. Yeah, they do. They do. Uh, the GM of the year also went to Vegas Golden Knights, George McPhee, as did the Mark Messier Leadership Trophy, went to Derek England, the 
unofficial captain of the Golden Knights who was from Vegas and helped them through a lot of the tragedy mm-hmm. there of October 1st. Uh, the Vesna Trophy went to Pekka Renage, kind of a lifetime achievement Vesna Trophy, I think. I, th- I think he was the best of these candidates, but it was also probably his last real yeah. opportunity to win one. It's a good thing they and do this voting for the regular pre- season. Free postseason, for sure Yikes. it is. Uh, and then the Hart Trophy, which you and I agreed on, uh, went to Taylor Hall. I thought that was down to Taylor Hall and... Uh, not Connor McDavid. Tell me the other guy's Nathan name. McKinnon. Nathan McKinnon. Thank you. Uh, and to me, it was, I mean, Andre Kopitar was the other guy. Really didn't think yeah. Kopitar <laughs> had a chance. Uh, to me, it was almost a coin flip between those two. I went with Hall for the simple fact that he had like 40 more points than his next closest teammate. Mm. I mean, it was only him on that team. Um and so he won that. So those were the NHL awards. As always, the ceremony was cringeworthy to the extreme. <laughs> there were missed handshakes and bad jokes that got no laughs abounding. <laughs> Linda Carter was there at one t- point. I don't understand why that happened. It was real weird. I think she's a Caps fan. She is. And that's cool. Like, good for her. It's Where just, was Susan Sarandon? Yeah, no kidding. Uh, the NHL tries. <laughs> they, like, try to be accessible, but that is not their scene. Uh. And they really goofed. And they announced P.K. Subban was the cover athlete of the NHL 19 game. So if you wanted to buy Chell as a Blues fan, now you can't. Sorry. Although it looked pretty cool. Yeah, at least they put some some pond games and stuff. Oh yeah, outdoor skating, whatever. At least they put a guy in the cover that like has a personality. Oh yeah, exactly. Great honestly personal personal rivalry with Nashville aside, that's a great choice for the cover athlete. Like I like those awards in the sense that they did a lot. They talked a lot about the Florida shooting and the Vegas shooting, and it was like yeah, very, they did do a really good job yeah. with that stuff. I think so. All that aside, I mean that that was very nice. Humboldt as well, yeah. But bad year for hockey. Yeah, I know it's like yikes. But man, those awards are just like oh, they're so bad. The whitest, just they're so like, painful. Just no one has any character. It's, just, it's they try too hard because mm-hmm. they they want it to blend entertainment and like formality, and it just doesn't work. And it never works. And, like, the Oscars don't work. And those people are all professional entertainers, you know. (laughs) And they do the same stuff. And it doesn't work. It's like, just don't try. Don't. Don't try to sell me on on Connor McDavid's personality because he ain't got one. Mm-hmm. He's an old grandpa waiting <laughs> for his. I watched that whole Connor McDavid acceptance speech, waiting for him to put like his thumb in his pocket. <laughs> I really thought he was going to, and he never was did. Was he stooped at the waist again? No, this he year? wasn't. Oh. I was so waiting for oh, that. That's a shame. No, the um, our, our little Connor's all grown up, so or like, grown down. <laughs> when you thank like when you say last but certainly not least, and then you thank your family and your wife or whatever. Your, your husband in certain cases my, or whatever. My smoking hot girlfriend. Your significant other. Linda Carter. <laughs> yeah. Like, normally that's when it, like, gets real and it feels less stilted, like in the Emmys and Grammys and all that stuff. For these guys, it got, like, way more awkward or, like, wouldn't. Oh, yeah. It would be, like, Victor having going, and, of course, I must thank my kids and wife. And then he'd, like, walk off, and I was like, Oh no! Oh, so there's a divorce. Yeah, do you love your wife? They were all like that. I don't know what it was. But I was like, this is the time where you can kind of be you. And I was like, is this you? Maybe mm-hmm. this just is who you are. Could be. Just boring, 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 and Swedish. Yeah, Victor Hedman. That's that's 
his nickname has always been Borg. That's sweet. Uh, the NHL schedules were released today for the upcoming season, and the Blues are doomed. <laughs> yeah, we've already lost. Uh, they open uh, at home against the Winnipeg Jets on October 4th. Should be a good game that we will certainly lose. Uh, we play 12 of our first 16 at home. Did you see, by the way, God love her, but did you see <laughs> that we made that Ooh. we made that tweet la- uh, yesterday about how that they will be losing, they will be starting the season 0-1, mm-hmm. and Tommy Hummel responded, that's exactly what I thought, and then some very old lady <laughs> <laughs> responded. And again, if, rest in peace. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. I hope she is actually because she's very sweet. But she was like, uh, you know, times can change. Be nice. And I'm like, what? It's <laughs> like, well, first of all, we are not in the business of being nice. We're in the business of being very passive, but not very nice. <laughs> Also, that's probably the nicest thing we've said. Yeah, exactly. Um, we were very nice to the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> um, Twelve of the Blues' first sixteen games are at home, which only indicates that there's some other stretch where twelve of sixteen games are on the road, and they're all more important games that are later in the season. Uh, our first month really was awful, and we play Chicago at home twice, and both of the times we'll play them at home this year in October. Which great work, NHL! Just great job. And then uh, we have, let me count them real quick, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, back-to-backs, and most of them are bad. Uh, Let me highlight the first one, at Vegas, at San Jose, November 16th and 17th. Should be a a fun time hosting Nashville and Winnipeg back-to-back on the 23rd and 24th of November. Uh, At Colorado, at Arizona, you might win one of those. Um... At Philadelphia, home to Dallas. At Washington, at the Islanders. Uh, Nashville and at Nashville, home and home on the 9th and 10th of February. Happy, Didn't we do one of those last happy year? Happy birthday to my brother. Yeah, I think so. And I think it was awful. Oh, oh yeah. were they both like weirdly day games or something? Yeah, like it was a I sack? think so. Ugh. Um, yeah, none of these are good. Boston at home at Minnesota. At Pittsburgh, at Buffalo, mm. and at New York Rangers, at New Jersey Devils very late in the season. We have a 16-game stretch from, what is that, January 12th to February 17th. 16 games, 13 of them are on the road. See, that's where it evens out with the first half. Folks, I'm telling you this right now, and I'm so sorry, but if we keep Jake Allen, that is the Jake Allen period. Oh, he That breaks. is where Jake Allen just just severs his own head. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, I'm sorry. I'm, I try to be kind of impartial, but that is where he just oh my gosh. gets obliterated. Yeah, 100%. It's the time frame, and they've set him up for failure. <laughs> the NHL has. The NHL wants to see Jake Allen fail i don't that's the nhl's fault yeah gary batman uh if you think the if you think the blues have it bad the cardinals pitched with a shortstop tonight because they were getting beat 10 to 2 so it could get worse Uh, (laughs) um, yeah so i mean that that I, I didn't go deep into it. That schedule looked brutally hard and it looked like we're gonna have to be ready right out of the gate Mm -hmm. um so this team isn't going to be gifted a playoff spot, I guess, is the, is the moral <laughs> of this story. Um, and they need to earn it. So they need to get the players to earn it, which takes us in to the Rumor Roundup. 
it's a fancy name. I think we'll have a sound a sound clip for this. You too. think we should? Let's do it. We'll find one. Um, which you've already heard. <laughs> yeah, I hope you like that one. At the end, it was robots. <laughs> uh, a lot of this comes from Pierre Lebrun. Uh, the first one says uh, Pierre Lebrun tweeted that L.A. had shown interest. I love how I spoke that like I didn't write this. Let's see what this email to me said. (laughs) Uh, Pierre Laverne tweeted that L.A. had shown interest in Jeff Skinner, uh, but the priority for now is Ilya Kovalchuk. And then he says, I'm told that Pittsburgh and St. Louis have also talked to Carolina about Jeff Skinner. One of those is us. Um, Let's talk about Jeff Skinner. We talked about him a little bit before. He's a good young winger for the Carolina Hurricanes who's very openly available, uh, but he does only have one year left on his deal. This is an addition I would like. This is the thing that that bothers me about our team this year is I feel like all all these nice rental pieces, including the big one we'll talk about for a little bit at the end here, not at the end of the whole podcast, but at the end of this segment. Uh, not even that, actually. We'll talk about him in a little bit, Artemi <laughs> Panarin. Uh, is I just I feel like any move for a winger, even though even a good potentially high goal scoring winger, is just a secondary move for our offseason. Mm-hmm. I feel like we have bigger priorities. And so it's I I like Jeff Skinner. I'd be all over us getting Jeff Skinner, but if getting Jeff Skinner costs you assets that can get you somebody else, don't do it. You know? <laughs> so um yeah, I mean that's my worry. Uh, about Skinner um, or any of these other guys, but I think he could be had for, you know, a first or a prospect or both, but not one of your blue chip prospects sort of thing. Uh, What do you think about Jeff Skinner? I know we've talked about him before. Yeah, I'd like him a lot. It's like you said, it doesn't address our main issue, which is at center. I would still take him as a secondary sort of option, I guess. Um, he scored, let's see, he scored 30, 30 or more goals, uh, looks like, what, three times? One of them was 37 goals. That's pretty bonkers. Uh, he scored 63 points, the highest of his career, twice. I I think he would, I mean, that's on a Carolina team that's not that great. Mm-hmm. I think he'd do great here. Like you said, it's a matter of what we give up, and if it's for one year, it can't be that much. Yeah. I don't know what he's making now. I think it's like six. Five and a half. Is it five and a half? Okay. So he's definitely going to command. I don't know. He's he's had sixty three as his most. So I would think maybe seven million at the most. He's probably asking for more. But I mean, I look Jeff Skinner and Jeff Skinner in his little eyes, and I go, "You're not making over seven million. Agreed. You're not going to have me." (laughs) <laughs> says Doug Armstrong. You're uh, going to have to take me, Cobb. <laughs> yeah. uh, I should have mentioned much earlier than this, but the official cap ceiling total uh, is at $79.5 million, which Very exact. is nice, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up about up. five from last year, and it gives yeah. us about $17 million of space, which sounds absurd. I know we have to fill it with like Edmondson's contract and... Um, Fabry, Fabry, and a couple for other a million. pieces, but like yeah. who cares? Um, I do think uh, it's it was interesting. I saw a thing I retweeted it earlier. I don't have the exact numbers, but I think in like two twenty thirteen fourteen maybe it was at like sixty four million. Mm-hmm. So it's gone up by fifteen in like five four or five years. So pretty awesome, and it's only going to keep going up uh, with Seattle on the horizon. 
as long as the CBA doesn't destroy it. How about how about let's have <laughs> how about let's come to a, an agreement without a lockout? How about that NHL? Not gonna happen. This podcast can't last <laughs> through a lockout. We're just gonna be like we're back with the lockout update. 2021, nothing has happened. I think we're going to turn this uh, podcast into like KHL podcast. Oh, yeah, we just pick a team and be like, Vladislav Namishnikov mm-hmm. has been absolutely dominating Pavel Bondra. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I like Thank that. You. I Thank you. I like that fusion. Um, <laughs> I, was, I realized I was going to say Vladislav Namishnikov, and then I was like, he'll actually be playing there, though. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But anyway, uh, so yeah, Skinner's a player I'm interested in. There were a lot of rumors that uh, the Blues were talking to Kovalchuk as well this week, uh, who of course uh, was a long-time star for the Thrashers and the Devils until he uh, jumped ship to the KHL, never to return until now. (laughs) Uh, He's 35 or 6 now, so he's older, but he's still a pretty elite scorer in the KHL from everything we hear. Uh but LeBrun tweeted that offers were made on Kovalchuk. L.A. is believed to be among them. Uh, the Kings, Boston, San Jose, and Vegas are still in the mix. Now, whether that means that no one else is in the mix, it's hard to read. But this, we weren't on that list that he just gave, so who knows. Um, yeah, I mean, Kovalchuk's a player, again, that would, to me, be a very secondary move. A very nice secondary move. Mm-hmm. But a very secondary move uh, in terms of we have to get other players for the future and not just like that would be such a weird move to me in a vacuum because it's like we're not a win now team that's a win now move we're not that (laughs) you know unless we do other things you know if we get John Tavares we immediately become a win now team but that's a very different scenario you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah so we have that we know that Peter Chiarelli according to LeBrun is listening to offers for the 10th overall pick and that he's looking for an offensive puck moving defenseman if only we have one of those to spare Mm -hmm. i'm not saying colton pareko for the 10th overall pick is a trade i would make but there are things on that team that i would like (laughs) so let's move on do with that what you want Um, the big news i think of the week that maybe caught a lot of us by surprise uh is that our timmy our timmy panarin known affectionately as the Breadman because of the similarities between his last name and Panera Bread Company, headquartered in St. Louis, Missouri, thank you very much, um, <laughs> has told the Columbus Blue Jackets that he is not currently interested uh, in signing an extension, and uh, that has led to speculation that the Blue Jackets will shop him, uh, and you'd have to think they would have to, given the fact that they can't just afford to lose him in a mm-hmm. year. Uh, and he's a very valuable player that could fetch a very high return. Um, the Blues, of course, have kind of a connection with Panarin. Obviously, he was a Black, Hawk, a Black Hawk for several years, so he was a pest for a while for us. But he was also he's also pretty close with Vladimir Tarasenko. And Tarasenko reportedly asked Ken Hitchcock and Doug Armstrong to sign him uh, before the Blackhawks did, and they failed to listen to them. Uh, which I'm sure wound up in the slaughtering of many of their family members by the, uh, what's that? What's KGB? That? Thank you. I was going to say KHL, and I was like, no, no. The <laughs> KHL one, is a front for the KGB, but that's not the same <laughs> I was going to say, one in the same. Um, but yeah, interest in Artemi Panarin, Ian? Very high. Okay. Tell uh, us more. Because I, mean, I hate him. <laughs> I guess he's the worst. I mean, good Lord, what is this? He's 
played 80 games, 82 games, 81 games over his three seasons, so he's missed, what, three games? And he scored 77, 74, and 82 points in each of these, which is bonkers. That's crazy good. Um, you're going to have to give up a lot just for the one year of him, and I don't know what you can do. Unless you're the Blackhawks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, for the love of God, no. Just God, no. No, please. no, 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 no. That's not what I was saying. I was just saying how oh. stupid are the Blackhawks for letting oh. go of him for Brandon Sutton. Yes, that, but I'm just so I mean, afraid. I guess that could also be a thing. Like, oh, we changed our mind. Ugh. What if they gave him Brendan Sutton? <laughs> <laughs> you want to do that over? Yeah, sure. We screwed up. Sorry. Um, yeah, I think he's going to cost more than what... It's weird to say more than what he's worth because he I mean he's like a 70, 80 point more player. Than what one year of him is worth. Yeah, exactly. I will say this if the Blues could be assured that a contract extension, if there was a sign in trade here, I'd give up probably anything short of Robert Thomas for him. That's what I'm saying. If it's a sign in trade, I like I like you, Jordan Cairo, but we're essentially getting a guaranteed like Jordan Cairo at his ceiling. Guaranteed the absolute toppermost of what you could do. Sorry, buddy, you're gone. Yeah, see you, uh, Jordan. Yeah, and that's how prospects work, right? Like you take the guarantee if it's on the table sometimes. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think so. I want to I want to pump the pump the brakes a little bit on some. Oh, let's stuff, pump I the pretty. tires. I want to do both actually okay. because Artemi Panarin would be spectacular for this team. And while I've talked about wingers being secondary moves, he would be a hell of a secondary <laughs> move. However, I do want to say that I've heard a lot of people talking about well. You know, Panarin's really a better move for this team than Tavares. You know, mm-hmm. he he should be a bigger priority, and that's just. I mean, I don't. I'm not trying to pick on anyone who said that, but that's just not. It's different conversations to me. You yeah, know? apples and oranges. It's like saying this t this car this family needs a car more than it needs oxygen or something. You know, it's like no, because <laughs> those are different like levels of concern. You know, mm-hmm. uh, John Tavares. I think be- maybe because of the speculation and how op- lo- how long it's been open that he might be available. I mm-hmm. think people maybe have not numbed themselves to how friggin' good he is. Yeah. But he's one of the best five centers in this league. And I think center the value of a top-line center is more comparable to the value of like a good NFL quarterback than any other position in any other sport. They are at like you cannot build a cup team without a really good top center. Mm-hmm. As good as Alex Ovechkin is, that team's not winning a cup without uh, Nicholas Backstrom. And now this year, Evgeny Kuznetsov, who was playing some of his time at center, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, you really need more than one. Uh, but you certainly need one. Yeah, you need at least one. And right now we've got Braden Chen, who, look, was wonderful for this team. He was a revelation for this mm-hmm. team. He was a steal for this team. It's nothing against Braden Chen, but he's not a playmaking number one center. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a v- he's an extraordinarily good number two center uh, for what he brings to the table, or if the right pieces fell into place, you could try him at wing again, if that makes more sense. But, like... He's not that as good as he's been. And it's just like, I, absolutely, I want Panarin, but I've seen people talking about, uh, you know, John Tavares, Panarin, interchangeable or Panarin's better. And it's like, no, that's not like, that's not the same. They're different parts mm-hmm. for the car. And one of, one of them looks really, it's like 
it's like a rim. It's like getting rims for your car versus like a transmission. You know, <laughs> like one of them looks really nice and makes and increases your car's value. The other one makes your car go forward. Mm-hmm. And That's we a need point. a car that drives forward. You know. Look, all I'm saying is Artemi Panarin. That's the only moves we make. Period. Done. <laughs> Over. I like it. Let's let's move on. Uh, no, <laughs> I do want to. The flip side of that coin is I've seen some people go like, and I think you've mentioned this happened in Jr's athletic blog where it was like, I think Pareko and Thomas and Tage Thompson and the first are the start of an offer for Panarin. No. That's ridiculous. It's absurd. For one year, that wouldn't be the start of it, as I said to you earlier. If they signed Panarin for eight years at an annual average value of $3 million, we wouldn't give that <laughs> up for him. That's an entire, like, core That's of a good you, team. You just gutted your team. Year. Uh, so let's not get too hyped on Panarin. I know we saw him devour us alive as a Blackhawk, and I know we want him, and that's great. And it wouldn't there would be nothing better than rubbing him in the place of the Blackhawks year after year after year. The joy that I would feel <laughs> if Artemi Panarin went into the Hall of Fame as a as a St. Louis Blue after having just mercilessly beat the Blackhawks his entire career would be unparalleled. <laughs> so let's not get ahead of ourselves. And realize that we do have other priorities. And if we can get him, great. But he's not the biggest thing we need on Earth right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's go get our Timmy for yeah. that. Speaking of the Blackhawks, uh, the Blackhawks are talking to, who else? The Coyotes, the Hurricanes, and the Senators about uh. moving Marion Hosa's contract. Uh, he's only owed $1 million in real money each of the next three seasons, <laughs> but he has $5.75 million cap hit, so it will probably get done, in my opinion, since the team will only cost them $3 million, and some of those teams need to reach the cap floor. What I won't understand is when that trade is made, and it's like the Blackhawks have sent Marion Hosa's contract and... Who's a, like a blech player? Is Kruger still there? No, he's gone. How about a Henestroza? Yes, Victor. Victor Henestroza. I think Something it's Victor. Something like that. to the Ottawa in, to the Ottawa Senators in exchange for the rights to Mark Stone, and you're like, oh, what? No. <laughs> and and friggin' Molnick's like, uh, we had to hit the cap floor. I don't know, you know. Sometimes. You tell me. No, yeah. not Molnick. <laughs> like sometimes when you're at a McDonald's, you gotta mop the floor because it's dirty and you don't want a dirty McDonald's floor. I think this guy just wants to own a McDonald's. <laughs> I, think, I think he got confused with the Ottawa Senators were. I think Eugene Melnick and his McDonald's fixation is the newest two guys one meme as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Um, yeah, I mean, I just—it's gonna happen because Stan Bowman sent his little disciples everywhere, and all mm. of those teams own all of those disciples run teams that are fighting with the cap floor all the time. Um, yeah, the Blackhawks just spread their seed amongst the lower <laughs> half of this league, and it's it's really atrocious and needs to be stopped. If it's just Marion Hosa though, and not like Brent Seabrook or whatever. Oh. You think it will be? Brent I've Seabrook? seen ru- I've seen rumors, and I I don't mean to toot my own horn here that there's been talks between the Chicago Blackhawks and the Carolina Hurricane that they might send Brent Seabrook down that way. <laughs> Brent Seabrook, I forget what the other two pieces were, maybe like picks for guess who? Jeff Skinner. No! Oh my God, are you no! kidding me? No, you don't do that. <laughs> Can you believe that? Oh my oh, lord. Oh. 
They're bending over backwards. Donald would be like, Seabrook's a pr- approving cap winner. And Rob Brendamore would be like, uh-huh, yeah, he sure is. And rocking back in his chair like a madman. Rob the Bob Brendamore, everybody, taken from us too early at the age of 45 in 2022. He's crazy. Uh, <laughs> so just look for that to happen. Seabrook in Carolina. The Sabres are expected to trade center Ryan O'Reilly, uh, who is a 27-year-old and has a cap hit of $7.5 million. I figured the best move was to just plow through it. I'm sorry for cutting you oh, off no. yet. You're right. Uh, he is owed $7.5 million over the next five years, which seems high until you remember that we signed Paul Stastny for $7 million a year four years ago when the cap was at $65 million. So I just try to forget that. I texted you earlier because I was like, it was a weird alternate reality. And I was like, we couldn't have been paying him that much. And I think I also wonder how much that's influenced people's fears about Tavares. Because they're like, we paid Stastny too much money. We're just going to pay Tavares too much money and he's not going to deliver. But it's a very different mm-hmm. thing. Um, so the Sabres are expected to move on from O'Reilly. Uh, one of the interesting hiccups here is that Ryan O'Reilly's contract has signing bonus laden, and it's due a $7.5 million bonus on July 1st. So that may incline some teams to say, hey, we're waiting for one thing. We're, we're, we're just, we'll wait until after July 1st. Or they will say, hey, you foot the bill for that first one, mm-hmm. um, and we get a great player for a million dollars this year. Um, but... Uh, in my opinion, it might give teams a window to jump in early if they're willing to say, "Hey, we'll take the we'll take the money, we'll pay in the money, we'll take that off your books." Mm-hmm. What does that buy us? Um, LeBrun said, "While O'Reilly isn't the most fleet of foot, I'd be all in on this guy. A change of scenery will benefit him, and his two way game isn't going anywhere." Um, he did note that neither O'Reilly nor Stasny is necessarily a number one center in his book. Uh, but O'Reilly is closer to it than anything we mm-hmm. have. Um, also took two penalty minutes last year and has a, like a grand total of eight mm-hmm. in the last three years. He's very um, balanced. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just a really good hockey player. Nothing is going to fly off the page at you, but he also hasn't been playing with Vladimir Tarasenko and Jaden Schwartz or who, whoever, yeah. two forwards on our team. Um so, you know, take keep that in mind. I mean, over his last five seasons, he's gotten fifty five at least 55 points each year. And three of those five seasons, he's had over 60 points. And this guy continues to improve on face-offs to the point that last year he had a 60% in the dot. Mm-hmm. 58 the year before, 56 the year before that. Like, that's something we don't have. As I like Braden Shen. We already mentioned he's kind of more of a second-line center. Guy can't really win face-offs. It's kind of a kind of a biggish deal for a center but that's okay we'll let it slide because he scores goals mm-hmm. but O'Reilly's a guy that could take off with the Blues I think he's definitely our first line center and I would be willing to give up a lot more for him even though he costs a lot I know he's 7.5 but the cap's going up the cap went up this year it's probably going to go up I've heard even maybe next year by like 2 million or something like that and then most certainly the year after that I think it's worth the what is it 5 years at 7.5 I think that turns into a steal, honestly, at that much money. Yeah, I, I mean, would with the cap going up. Mm-hmm. To me, there's no worry about the contract. 
That's why I thought of Stasny because I was like, this guy's better than Stasny. I'd be a little, sure. I'd be a little iffy, but I would listen to depending on if I don't know, depending on what else we'd have to give up to get O'Reilly. I'd be willing to listen to like a Jordan Cairo. I'd be like, if do you want Jordan Cairo? you know, our first round pick and maybe something smaller, then cool. But if they're like, oh, Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas and I'm like, okay, now I can't do Get that. Get bent body. Yeah. Get out of here, uh, Botterill. Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, I wonder if that is a situation where maybe you can get another decent piece from the Sabres that's like a, a lower winger or something. Oh, Sam Reinhart. Like fills a body, yeah, mm-hmm. fills a role. And maybe you still, I, I still wouldn't give up Robert Thomas for anything. Yeah, in I'm just any not. trade other than like a a top 25 player who's controlled here for yeah. 5 plus years. Here's a little argument I have for keeping Robert Thomas and there really doesn't need to be one, but I've seen people kind of throw his name around like he's just another prospect or mm-hmm. I've even seen people put him under Kairu, which I mean you could debate, but I'm just guessing cuz he's a center, like we said, a little more valuable to us. The thing is, I've heard a lot of people go, "Oh, he hasn't played a single game yet in the NHL and you know, He's an unknown quantity. Every prospect yeah. hadn't. And so, yeah, exactly. And they're like, so we should trade, you know, we can, his value's high for us. We can trade him. We can get a, you know, a known quantity and a, you know, Jeff Skinner or something. Ooh. I mean, that's not, that's, I don't know if I, <laughs> oh God, he almost choked, folks. That's not, I haven't even read that, but I'm just saying people throw his name out a little willy nilly. My point is, when you have somebody, that's an unknown quantity, like you said. Everyone is at some point as a prospect, but like we know something about him. He's was the OHL playoff MVP. He's played amazing this whole year. He played pretty well last year. He won back to back Memorial Cup. Or yeah, he didn't ultimately win the second one. Did yeah, he? but he like was in back to back finals. Yeah, and so the thing of it is, you've got a player that you have some semblance of what he could be. Yeah. And if he turns out to be a bust, I'd still say I'm glad you kept him. Do you right. know what I mean? It's yeah. a, it's a calculator risk. Sometimes you lose that, but it was still a good one to take and I don't think he's that much of a risk at all. But if you're going to say that, I'd say this is the one you hold on to. This is the one you go, "Oh, if he busts, and man, that kid for some reason can't skate and he's terrible at passing." And the <laughs> NHL and all the things they said were great about him suck. Then I go, "You know what? I'm glad we held on to him cuz everyone said he was going to be amazing." Yeah, I mean, this is such a different tier of guy and i don't think the blues have had that level of guy for a long time maybe since tarasenko maybe not even then mm-hmm. um you know he's not the mcdavid matthews level where it's just a sure thing from day one they're going to be great nhl players but he's not far below that at this point he's an extraordinarily highly regarded prospect i think he's top 10 in all the rankings right now mm. I, and i just and the other thing is too that just because I mean everybody everybody in the league knows he's a top ten prospect, but he doesn't have the same value to everyone else that he has to you. Mm-hmm. You know, for one thing, because you've already put a year of your time into him, they're getting it found money. You know, but also, you know, Robert Thomas and anyone else it would really devastate the future of this team. I think you know, and so I'm only trading him. And I'm I'm not trying to be, you know, wildly, you know, ridiculous or anything, but I'm only trading him for an extremely talented RFA, like a Mitch Marner, mm-hmm. maybe I'd trade him for. 
a sign and trade Tyler Sagan. <laughs> yeah. Or something else that's never going to happen, like an Eichel. Maybe not even Eichel, because I'm not sold on him yet, but a McDavid or a Matthews or a, yeah. you know, whoever. Like, I, I'm not trying to be ridiculous about it. I'm not saying I wouldn't let him go for anything, but you can't, like, you, you've you been looking for a potential number one center, team-defining center, as long as I've been alive. Like, literally, as long as I've been alive, mm-hmm. the boys have been looking for that since at least when Brett Hall left, so most of my life. And and I know Hall was not a center, just to clarify before I get any <laughs> tweets, but you know what I'm saying. Like, since this yeah. team had the best player in the league, mm-hmm. um, you've been looking for that franchise-changing player, and you just can't let that go <laughs> when you have it controlled. And if he's not that, like you said, fine. Fine, maybe, maybe you know. I don't. I don't think it's. I. I doubt it's as extreme as he's oh, a bust yeah. or he's great. But maybe he's just like a a, a passable second line. And maybe he is Bo Horvat. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a very good player, not a franchise defining player, but a very good player. Fine. Then you have that, and that's great, and he's yours. You know, but like the the devastation if this team trades him for, let's even say, Artemi Panarin. Let's say we sign and trade Artemi Panarin. And then Robert Thomas carries the Blue Jackets to two cups, you know? I mean, it, it just we can't do that to ourselves, folks. We already, listen. Get it together. We already gave up <laughs> Lars Eller, who carried the Washington Capitals, <laughs> longtime former Blue, to the, to the Stanley Cup. Don't do it again, folks. We and can't that's my two that. cents. Yeah, that's my two cents on that. Um, uh, LeBrun went on to say, it makes sense that the Blues have at least inquired on O'Reilly, and I believe they have, in order to fill the spot Stastny's late-season trade created. What I'm hearing is that Blues GM Doug Armstrong is willing to move the first-round pick he got from Winnipeg for Stastny, which sits at number 29 overall, but the Sabres would need more than that, obviously. The Blues have some enticing prospect. There's potential here for a deal. Now, no question the Blues' number one target would be pending UFA center Tavares, but again, who knows if he indeed hits the market or if the Blues can beat out the massive competition. So it makes sense to me uh, to be looking at other options, and O'Reilly is a good one. He said the other teams interested uh, currently that he knows about are the Canadians, the Hurricanes, and the Flyers. I do think we'd be better positioned to get him than either any of those other teams, maybe the Flyers with their two first-round picks and... Mm -hmm. You know, maybe they're willing to trade Nolan Patrick or something. But hey, Mark Bergevin's crazy. I don't oh, know if I, I don't know <laughs> I if I ever like, take. I don't the know how that work matters hey, in the Flyers. Just, just random facts. He gives up Nolan. He gets Nolan Patrick. Then they trade them. Max Pacioretty to the Flyers, and they trade uh, Shea Weber to the Blue Jackets, and then the Blue Jackets give. Whoever give Ryan O'Reilly to the Flyers, and that's how it happens. Oh God, what a uh, mess! And then in five years, they hate Nolan Patrick because he's not French Canadian. Doesn't speak French. Uh, exactly. Um, and finally, the Blues are ranked 17th in the Athletics' current power rankings, which would make them the first team out of the playoff spot. Kind of. I didn't check to make sure if there were eight Western, that's about eight right. Eastern Conference teams, but it feels right. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford said it's a big offseason for GM Doug Armstrong, who signed a new four-year deal and then watched his team miss the playoffs for the first time in seven years. The club desperately needs a playmaking center. 
Too true, Jay. I don't know why I thought he was going to say, and then he watched his team burn. (laughs) (laughs) Some men just like to watch the Blues burn. Uh, There is one major piece of news that we've left left undiscussed, which brings us to the return of our favorite segment, Tavares Watch 2018. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know there's real noise, but hey, we got to celebrate it, right? Mm. Uh, The Islanders sealed the deal to sign... Barry Trotz is their next head coach. Uh, He was freed by the Washington Capitals, with whom you may remember he won a Stanley Cup not four days ago. Uh, No, it was four days ago, but it was, what, two exact weeks from today. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop to look around them once in a while, you might sign with the New York Islanders. (laughs) Um, So he signed to a five-year deal valued at maybe $4 million per season. He's a very good coach. Mm-hmm. He hadn't won a Stanley Cup before this year, and he did it with Alex Ovechkin. So I don't know that it's as easy as like, oh, the Islanders have the best coach in the league now. Um, nah. I do think, obviously, the Islanders have made a very aggressive push in the last month to keep John Tavares. What they were doing in the seven years before that, <laughs> only God knows. Um Darth Snow knows. Arthur Staple of The Athletic said it interestingly, although he did say this technically before the Barry Trotz signing. John Tavares has been in consistent contact with Lou Lamorello of late. It is believed that they have discussed the path forward for the Islanders rather than trading numbers. The contract is the easy part. This guy is so certain that he calls (laughs) the contract the easy part. Uh, Tavares still wants to see what moves will be made this week, but the plan is still to get to that five-day window and listen to pitches. He may even visit another team or two, bet on the Leafs being a team he'd visit if Toronto makes a pitch, because, of course, we've got to shoehorn the Leafs in here. Oh, they already did. Leafs already put together, like, a video for him. Oh, great. They said they they poured the ice back on. They had the young players there. They literally filmed a video pitch. They can't afford him. So good. Destroy the whole franchise. Yeah, trade me Mitch Martin. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I heard someone recently call William Nylander expendable, and I was like, that is not the word. He's expendable. (laughs) He may be an asset that you can trade for a huge return, but he's not expendable. Jaden Schwartz is expendable. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, I I have a lot of thoughts. Why don't Mm -hmm. I hear your thoughts first? Because I've talked a lot lately. Barry Trotz leaving the Capitals confused me to start with because I knew he was owed a new contract, but I was like, well, why don't they just pay him what he wants? But apparently there was a stipulation in his I contract. Say, but he knows. He knows. Yeah. He knows. If he won the cup, which I love that's like, I mean, I know you're the Caps and you're a good team, but I love how that's it's just. a very specific yeah, stipulation. You have to win the cup, and then this is what happens. <laughs> you can get a two-year extension for, I think, each year is 300000 Dollars more, so he was already making one point five. So we were making one point eight million each year, which is what I don't understand is how was the millions? How was the offer not? If you win the cup, you become the president. I know they just you move into the White House. Three hundred thousand more dollars. How is it not at least least a million? million? Just double it. Uh, But apparently they are because they would not pay him four million. So that's why he left was essentially wanted more money. But I also think Lou Lamorello, pro- there's no way that this Lou Lamorello is not in this dude's ear a little bit. Tampering? Oh. Which I believe is tampering. Lou Lamorello has been arrested or like tra- 
convict, not convicted, whatever the right, punished for tampering in the past. Well, he so. threw the book at us for tampering with Scott Stevens or something like that. Yeah, I think yeah, he, he took did. Scott Stevens from us. Anyways, he knows all about tampering, so he's probably gotten better at it is what I'm trying <laughs> to say. Because all of a sudden, out of nowhere... There's a lot of rocks bouncing around yeah. in that old skull of his, but that there's 70, a lot of rule-breaking, yeah. too. That 75-year-old needs to go out to pasture. <laughs> and by that, I mean just leave. Yeah, just retire. No threats. Just go into retirement and enjoy it peaceably. And never comfort. come back. <laughs> um, or... Else. Yeah, I'll break your kneecaps, Lou. <laughs> it's interesting. I really thought he was going to make more than $4 million. I think Babcock makes 5 or 6 I think Quinville makes that much. I really thought he was going to ask for that much. Babcock has, or Quinville rather, has like a deal in his contract where he can't make less than like the third highest paid Oh, yeah. Something. He's got like the Wayne Gretzky deal yeah. where he's like, I have to be the highest paid person. <laughs> <laughs> Which, fair play to him, you know? Yeah. But still. I mean, the rumor was that Trotz is going to end up with the Islanders, and he did. I think it's a really hard push, like yeah, you said. I, mean, I I think this happened too quickly. Mm-hmm. Too this happened a little quickly too quickly for it not to be. And maybe the Washington was like, yeah, talk to Lou Lamorello. What do we care? They're <laughs> feckless any damn way. But, like, still, it happened a little too quickly. I'd be looking into it if I was the He's league. talking to Brian McClellan or whatever. He's like, hey, like, I heard from Lou, says Trotz. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Just go talk to him. I don't care. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I'm going to say some thoughts. They're going to be connected, but jumbled. Oh, I'd like to say this, though. Oh, oh yes, please. Jo- John I mean, Tavares is staying on the Islanders. Okay. I'm sorry. That's what it's going to be. I'm so sorry, everyone. Okay. That was my initial thought. Oh. Huh? And it is still my thought, but let me get and there. And also his thought now. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 uh-huh. the, the Islanders have done things they've done lots of stuff they've just kind of grabbed at straws and they're like we'll sign a really old respected gm and a less old but still considerably old respected coach and we're gonna bring john Tavares in here and that's fine Mm -hmm. how old do you think barry trotz is 57 yeah i think he's like 55 i thought he was older anyways continue uh I would I would I was guessing low because I figured you were asking for that reason. Damn. Still, fifty five. You're an old man. <laughs> you're basically dead. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm kidding. Fifty five year olds, you're all great. We love you. You've got long lives. Remember to stretch. Uh, <laughs> health tips from the two thousand podcast. <laughs> uh, no, they've done stuff, but mm-hmm. nothing they've done so far can improve the product on the ice. I think they're going to get Eli Kovalchuk. You really think so? Mm. Also, is John Tavares going to sign so. because they got 35-year-old bag-of-bones Ilya Kovalchuk? Here's the no, thing. No, he's going to sign because he's stupid. Yeah, okay. okay. Continue. Okay, no, 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 no. Actually, that squares the circle very nicely. John Tavares is an idiot if he stays <laughs> with the New York Islanders. And I... I'm not. I'm somewhat saying that as like an embittered Blues fan, but I'm not saying you have to come to the Blues. By all means, go to San Jose or Vegas. They're much more prepared to win than we are. <laughs> but like you, that franchise has sucked mercilessly for ten years while they've had you, and now they're going to sign one old GM and one old coach, and you're going to be like, "Yep, I want to stay because I'm loyal to this fan base." It's like, fine, do that, but you're not winning there. 
Mm-hmm. And that's fine. If, if, if what you want is money and loyalty to the island, great. Even though God only knows that they'll be playing on the island at the end of your contract <laughs> because they don't even have a stadium, John. <laughs> God only knows where they'll be playing. But I want I, Doug Armstrong to tell him that on the phone. <laughs> where are you going to play, John? We have Our stadium will have the same name through the end of the contract. Yours won't even have the same location. <laughs> um... Oh my! Yeah, so I so. Why wouldn't you at least test UFA? Yeah, you can that, still sign with the Islanders. That's the point I want to make. I would be sh- I would be shocked at this point if he signed before the UFA period, which is like Tuesday, where you can start talking. Oh to yeah, games. it's the twenty fifth. So Monday, I guess. And why would you not? Why would you wait this long? Just see what's and out there. Don't sign before the draft. See what they do with their two picks. If they add a great defenseman or great whatever, if they go sign John Carlson, fine. But like this, this this whole weird fixation in the NHL of like the deal ha- the deals are done by July first. It's like no, you got to tell me what you are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I'm John Tavares, I'm not signing there unless I get a good line mate and a good defenseman to start to build that team around. Because why? They have would no goalie. You? Yeah, they had a goalie. Good point. They haven't even addressed that issue. You're right. Yikes. And so, like, maybe he signs. All, all everything that they've done in the last month has been a great movement towards him signing because a month ago I thought no chances he's staying with that crampy, crappy franchise. Now I'm like, he probably is. They're probably doing these things because he's staying. But if I'm him, I got to see it on the ice. It can't just be in the office because, you know, God knows Garth Snow was there forever <laughs> and people thought he was good for some reason. And How, he long, wasn't. Yeah. How long is Lamorello going to be there? Isn't it like a three-year deal? Well, yeah, and he's 75. That's and Barry Trotz is 55. Those guys aren't going to be there at the end of your contract, dude. It's like eight years for either of those guys. He's going to be 83 and 63, and that's old. <laughs> no, but like, uh, yeah, those are great moves. But if you, uh, let's just use the Blues as an example. Yeah. Mike Yo, not great. <laughs> we'll start Man. there. Not great. <laughs> Doug Armstrong, he's got a GM of the Year award. He's right. And we might not love Doug Armstrong here, but he's doing stuff all the time. It's not always great stuff. <laughs> but Gar Snow never did any stuff, so at least it's some stuff. <laughs> Plus, stuff versus no On stuff. top of that, you come to a defensive core that at the moment has... Alex Petrangelo, Joel Edmondson, Cole Pareko, and Vince Dunn, including Alex Petrangelo, one of your best friends from mm-hmm. from the youth days. When they played for the Junior Blues. Along with some other really friggin' good... Stamkos. Some, yeah, Stamkos. And Subban, Yeah, something I like think. that. Um, but you get to be on a line, presumably, with Jaden Schwartz and Vladimir Tarasenko, or honestly, whoever you pick yeah. of Braden Shin... Of those five guys and, you know, whoever, they've got tons of young prospects, which means two things. It means, one, in a year or two, maybe Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas are incredible NHL contributors. But if it doesn't mean that, it means they're going to get other players with those players that are good NHL contributors. That's a team that you can come in, you can be in charge unofficially, you know, you're not going to... 
rip the C off of your friend's <laughs> chest. We'll put an A on you. Yeah. yeah, you're going to have an A immediately, and you're going to be the star. You're going to be the guy that they play, that they show on the screen when they do the NHL Tonight stuff. And you get to dictate kind of the future, you know? San Jose just signed to Vander Kane. Tons of talent there. I looked at their cap friendly. None of it's signed beyond next year, but that can be a positive and a negative because they get to structure the future. Mm-hmm. And if Logan Couture doesn't work, they can trade Logan Couture. If, you know, Joel Pavelski, <laughs> Joel, Joe Pavelski doesn't work, get out of here, little Joe. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Vegas, all the excitement, like, and just end the Stanley Cup finals. And you can say... They have a long road ahead of them, but if they get John Tavares and Eric Carlson, they sure don't. It's like, see what's out there for your own sake. Toronto, you know, I don't know how they're going to make it work. They'll probably bollocks it up. They're Toronto, and they're every bit as bad as us over the last 50 years. Maybe worse in terms of general overall success. (laughs) Um, Yeah, just test the market, John. Just do it. Just do do the right thing. And I really think he will. I, I would say this as a final thought. If Tavares were to leave the island, I do still think the Blues have about as strong a chance as ever, as anyone, mm-hmm. to sign him. However, I think that at this point, it's very unlikely. It just The needle has moved too far into the orange, if you will, for the Islanders. Uh, I do hope. Maybe they'll un- unveil a hideously awful third jersey. Oh, they already have one. Well, they do historically, but the new ones this upcoming. Those are supposed to be revealed tomorrow night, by the way, people. All of them? I don't know all of them. Not ours. Ours isn't. We know Mm. what ours is, so who cares? Agreed. But but in any case, maybe they'll unveil a horrible one, and he's like, I'm never playing it. Bring back the Gordon's Fisherman (laughs) jersey. Exactly. I'll buy one. I would, too. They're terrible. (laughs) Did you see someone Photoshop Barry Trotz's face on that Fisherman? That's great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just test the market, John. Just see what's out there. And if it doesn't work, fine. Fine. Go wherever. I don't care. Do you see Doug Armstrong making a real big sexy pitch for John Tavares, by the way? I think so. I think he would try really. I saw. But like, uh, so he's going to go all out. Yeah. But do you see him doing like digital media and being like, oh. here's here's Vladimir Tarasenko no. descending the arch or climbing to the top of the arch and saying, we're taking over this city together, John. No, and. I don't know why he sounded French there. <laughs> John! Hey, wee oui, wee. Oui. Um, no, I don't. And we can go on this rant some other time, but the NHL is full of boring people, as we already talked about. And I'm, the sad part is I think the Blues are one the of the boringest. boringest. <laughs> They're like, look, we're, I hate that the Midwest rests on, hey, we're boring but wholesome. And I'm uh, like, that, okay, it's just boring. wholesome does it's, appeal to NHL players oh, more than most. No, it does, but, like, God, who gives a crap? <laughs> I'm so, I, for, so as much, for as much, like, stuff as we're like the Blues, and we got Towel Man, and we got a guy that plays the trumpet, and we count the goals, and everything else here is just nothing. <laughs> Maybe a cup would help. But anyways, I don't know what sexy pitch... Maybe a cup would help. How would we ever know? Yeah, I'm, who's to say? I mean, the pitch for us is Alex Petrangelo. That's what I mean. They pretty much Vladimir just, Tarasenko. You send Alex Petrangelo with like a bunch of like a things dozen, from their childhood. Yeah. He's dressed like The Bachelor. <laughs> he goes up to him. He gets on one knee. He gives him a picture of both of them when they were like 10. Then he goes, do you remember? <laughs> and then John Javaris says, I'm signing... With the Islanders, <laughs> and then walks her away and tears up the picture, and then Petrangelo cries, 
and then it cuts the credits. Yep, there we go. Here we go. So that's our sexy bitch. And there's a vase of roses next to Petrangelo on a pedestal, and Tavares just knocks those oh, over. Oh, they shatter. And they shatter. Excellent. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So that's Tavares. Time will tell. We'll know in, like, ten days. Yeah, roll the dice. We'll just know. And it'll be over, and there will be nothing but sadness for the Blues. Speaking of nothing but sadness, we have one thing left to discuss, and that's the end of our long trade segment proposed to us by Tommy Hummel. <laughs> and it's been wonderfully fun for us. I like how you say his name every time, because it really feels like this is plug. what you did. <laughs> it's a little bit that, but it's a little bit I want to give oh, him I credit. Agree. Uh, Tommy Hummel of the Pop Pop Culture Bombcast at PC Bombcast on Twitter. Check him out. There you go. And at Hummeltown on Twitter. Look at that. I know both of their Twitter handles right off the top like that. I could not do that. Um, Also, speaking of snapping, I did not, Uh I repeat, did not watch like a 15-minute video earlier this week proving scientifically that you could could not snap in an infinity gauntlet because that is not oh, something geez, I accidentally watched. You ever, you're better than You this. ever find a video on Facebook or YouTube and you watch like 30 seconds and you're kind of like, well, I'm in this deep because I'm going <laughs> to finish it. That's the autoplay on especially, YouTube. Especially if you don't look at the bar at the start. Like if I'd looked in the first minute and a half and been like, 15 minutes? No. I would have gotten right out of there. But I looked at like six and a half and I was like eh whatever this anyway. purple space man <laughs> traveled through space to and kill a bunch of superheroes the concern, and yeah. they were like you can't snap in a exactly. metal glove he was entirely made of CGI but <laughs> that was the big this man concern. is made of dreams and farts and you said he can't snap in a glove <laughs> if infinity stones were candies and nuts then we'd all have a Merry Christmas <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's the uh, end of the podcast. So I was going to mention the other, if if the trade segment doesn't appeal to you, understandable, it is a bit obtuse, because we're <laughs> a bit obtuse, uh, but we enjoy it. And if you don't want to hear it, catch us on Twitter this week, and we'll be talking about the draft. There will be a bonus episode. There will be tons of stuff next week. Adios. We love you. Talk to you later. But if you want to stay on, we also get very silly during this segment. So let's get it started with the San Jose Sharks. You want to go first or you want me to go I'll first? I'll go first. Mine get progressively worse. Oh, mine are terrible. Okay. Well, we're going to... Well, this one's start already. Some of them aren't. Some of them are. This one's not great, but that's because I just don't think there's a lot to get off the Sharks reasonably. So we have Fabry and a fourth round pick for Jonas Donskoy. Which Jonas or Eunice? Eunice, Giannis. There's two O's. In Jonas Donskoy. <laughs> Yanni Donskoy. <laughs> um, Donskoy is a 26 year old right wing. Or should I say Laurel Donskoy? Boom! Oh, Throwing it back. That's Nobody old. even remembers. I was like, that's too old. Uh, Donskoy is a 26 year old right winger who's on the final year of his contract, paying him 1.9 million. He scored 85 points. In his 203 career <laughs> NHL games. I was like, no, he didn't. Yeah. Um, not the flashiest trade, but the Blues get a middle six right winger and trade away an unknown quantity, in quotes, in Fabry. We have, has there been any trade that we didn't include Robbie Fabry in, by the way? Uh, most of mine do. I've got him in at least two, I would think, on here. Godspeed to Robbie Fabry when he scores, like... 50 points this year. Oh, good. For another team, though. Please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Blues trade a third-round pick, either this year or next, mm-hmm. to the San Jose Sharks in exchange for Aaron Dell, 
I guess. The so, Blues need to find a backup oh, goalie. They, okay, as a quick side, they do. Like, Carter Hutton's not coming back, and that's one thing they, like, will have to get. Yes, okay. and knowing recent history, they should look for a backup goalie with some upside. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who can play, I don't know, 30, 30 plus games. Let's say, and let's say particularly an extended stretch in midwinter. Are you pretty flexible uh, in January? <laughs> Aaron, let me ask you a question. Are you free this January, and do you have any history of mental breakdowns? <laughs> Either experience treating them or experience undergoing <laughs> them yourself. Um, <laughs> so the boys have to bring uh, the boys have to bring at least one goalie in this summer. Carter Hutton, I think, is all of it out the door. He's just going to get more money to be like a number one where somewhere. Probably Carolina. Yep, They'll just Carolina. keep signing goalies until it's over. Yep. Until the darkness closes <laughs> in. Um, <laughs> Dell proved himself serviceable as a backup. Ian is turning beet red, by the way. <laughs> partially because it's hotter than heck in this luxurious pillow fort studio, which you can imagine. They've turned the heat up in Dallas. It's for sure. Um, he posted a 2.64 goals against average and 9.14 save percentage this year. Uh, the year before, he was even stronger at two goals against and 9.31 uh, save percentage in 20 games. Uh, Dell is signed for two more years at $1.9 million, and the Sharks might not be willing to give him up. Uh, because he's a fine backup for Martin Jones, who's their mm-hmm. starter. Um, but for a team that's looking to build with a long-term out, outlook, as I think the Sharks currently are, it is a piece that might be expendable <coughs> and could be a good part for the Blues to bring in. So there you go. I like that. I like that one. The Tampa Bay Lightning one that I have is a little more convoluted. I hate this it one. It is Robbie <laughs> Fabry. Jake Wallman, this year's first-round pick, and probably like a third or a fourth in a future year for Tyler Johnson, who was a center (laughs) that Ian is disgusted by. All right. Uh, So here's the the bad news. Johnson's injury pro. He's Uh, tiny. But he is a small person. But he played 81 (laughs) games last year, and he posted 50 points in those games. He also wins face-offs at about a 50-50, and he's trusted to take... Draws in the offensive zone at about a 50-50 rate, and the defensive zone. That's what I meant. Excuse me. Offensive and defensive zone equally. So he's, he's very balanced. a two-way player. He's the definition of balance. However, he his highs can be very high. I found this little nugget out today that I'd totally forgotten. In the 14-15 postseason, Johnson posted 13 goals and 23 points in 26 games, each Boy, of cow. which were the league leader that year. Um he is considered one of their triplets, one of their last wave of great young players before the current one. They're already <laughs> at least one wave beyond it. Um, and he's not probably an asset the Lightning would be eager to move on from, but I just think they've got so many forwards they might, and Fabry would give them some potential upside this year. I would give them Tage Thompson probably in the same deal, but I just figure they probably need defensive bodies more than offensive ones at Mm -hmm. this point. Um, They don't have a first-round pick this year, so that might appeal to them. The Blues would take on some risk with Johnson's injury history, uh, 
but he's also a potential top six center, and he signed through 2024 at $5 million, which is absurdly friendly, team-friendly. Uh, so the risk may, is more than worth it, in my opinion. I like that. I would take good, I would take good. Tyler Johnson so for that. So it's perfect. Mine's somewhat Let's similar. Let's see your bad trade. <laughs> I've got Fabry, Thompson, and a first-round pick, this year's first round, for RFA, so I guess the rights to JT Miller. Uh, Miller's a 25-year-old left-handed center who is currently in RFA. He averages about 0.52 points per game over a 360-game career. So, I mean, that's a little over 40 points a game, or 40 points a season, that is. Uh, Miller will most likely command $6 million as a uh, average salary over the course of maybe a five- to six-year contract, and I think that's something the Blues could comfortably sign him to that. Mm. The Blues get a second-line center with size, and the Lightning get a winger with high upside for cheap and Fabry, a young cost-controlled prospect in Thompson, and further assets in a first-round pick. Um, JT Miller could be, I mean, he's more of kind of like a, I don't know, a physical center. He's a little more of a bigger body, something that we could possibly use, sort of a net front presence guy we could use. I don't know if he necessarily fits what we need as far as like a playmaking center goes, uh-huh. but he's who jumped out to me just because in my mind when I looked at it, Tyler Johnson didn't seem as feasible, although I don't know how much trading for an RFA's rights really is either. So My Toronto Maple Leafs trade, though, is something I would love to see happen. It'll never happen because neither of these teams really have the cojones to do it, I think. Personally, I just don't think they'll pull the trigger on this, but I have Preco straight up for William Nylander. Nice. Uh, Nylander, 22-year-old right-handed center who's currently in RFA. In his last two full seasons with the Leafs, Nylander has registered 61 points both years, giving him an impressive .73 points per game over his young career. Nylander has played mostly right-wing in Toronto, but I think he could definitely be used in his natural center position here in St. Louis. The Blues may be able to sign him to a bridge deal for less money, with the drawback obviously being less term. This might look like $5.5 million over the course of four years, or each of those four years, the contract ending when he hits his UFA years, or the Blues could throw cash at him and buy some of those UFA years. That look more like, probably, I'm thinking more like a uh, Pasternak deal, where it's 6.75-ish for like six or seven years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's... I'm down, let's do it. It could be for more, but he's... As much as 63 points or 61 points of these last two seasons have been impressive, that's also just two seasons, and it's weird to say, but just 61 points. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's making over $7 million. Uh, Blues would get what would essentially be, you would hope, at least your future number one center who they can develop along with Thomas and Cairo forming sort of a new young second wave, kind of like you talked with Tampa a little bit. The Maple Leafs get a number one right-handed D that they desperately are seeking, and they get the security of being able to pay Matthews and Martin or whatever it is that they might be asking for if they get rid of Nylander. Get rid of trade Nylander to us. Yeah. So it was either Nylander or Marner, and Nylander being the center, I figured that's who we'd want. And I think that's the one that Toronto would be more likely to part with. Yeah. Although Marner is dope. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so my stupid face somehow <laughs> forgot that there was a Toronto between... Uh, Tampa Bay and Vancouver, so I didn't write one, <laughs> but I can say off the top of my head that that's a very good one, and I also think there's pieces like Nazem Kadri, although mm-hmm. they would be pretty reticent to give him up on that really team-friendly deal, um, although he got suspended in the playoffs, Nazem. Um, <laughs> I don't know, you know. 
Watch yourself. <laughs> Watch yourself, Michael. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a player. And I think they're generally good trade partners because mm. they're very deep uh, defensively or offensively, and we're very deep defensively. Mm. So that, like you said, Colton for Nylander would be. I think we'd option. even dangle and a then, Joel Edmondson and see and what they like. And then you make a trade with uh, the. Friggin' uh, whatevers the 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 Buffalo Savers mm. for Ryan O'Reilly and Alex Nylander, and you got a whole sandwich reunion situation. Yeah, so many Nylanders. Here, I'll tell you real quick because I'm sure you've got a much better Vancouver Canucks trade. <laughs> My Canucks trade is Fabry for Jake Vertanen. Hey, there you go. Because Jake Vertanen. Isn't he a defenseman? Or is he no, he's a, a forward, but he's kind of supposed Have to be. Have we traded for any defenseman? This whole no, time? we don't I need him. That guy I got from Boston, that rando prospect, he was rando. a defender. <laughs> um, for Vertanen is essentially, Fabry I think shows a little, they both had a high upside. Vertanen literally hasn't been injured and hasn't really showed it, whereas Fabry has been injured, so you just haven't seen it either. That's kind of just a, I don't know, like a, I don't know, place change, a team change, a change of scenery is what I'm going for mm-hmm. between the two. Not that necessarily Fabry needs one, but I just don't know what he'll be here, and we can try and rehab Jake Vertanen into what he's supposed to be, I, I guess. Like I like that a lot. No, it's bad. No, Continue it's Now you. Mine's similar to your Toronto one would be Colton Pareka for Bo Horvat. All right. Uh, Bo Horvat is not a piece. Good Lord. Stan, Don't worry. We're both pretty bad. Is not a piece the Canucks are likely to give up. But for Pareko, they might be willing to listen. Uh, acquiring Pareko would be would free them up for one thing to trade Christopher Tanev, who's their right-handed defenseman, who's always in the trade conversations. Um, and he'd fetch a tremendous return, I would think. Horvat is everything we could want in a two-way forward. He wins face-offs very well, had 44 points in 64 games last year. Uh, he's 23. He's controlled through 2023 with a $5.5 million cap hit, so that's great. Um, he'd be a huge ha- asset. Uh, and while none of Thomas Horvat or Shen necessarily projects as a genuine state-of-the-art number one center, uh, it would be stronger down the middle, I think, than the Blues have ever, ever been. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I think that would be a good move for them. My Vegas trade is terrible. It's a fourth-round pick next year for Malcolm Subban. Because, hey, we've got to find a goalie somewhere. He wasn't great this year, but he's not bad, and he once had a very high <laughs> ceiling. Although his history at the then-Scott Trade Center is not very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got reefed in his first start by us. It was a simple I time. I enjoyed this. <laughs> um, mine's not great either. Mine was Sabotka and a third-round pick for Eric Halla. Basically, a third round pick going here. Please take Saboka, who's somewhat comparable <laughs> to Eric Hall. <laughs> at least, yeah, at least historically. Put on a better contract. I was like, yeah, this year, I think what Hall had 55 points before that. He capped out at like 34. I'm so. sure Saboka could score 60 for him next yeah, year. Yeah, that's but true. Fine, fine. Go, go, He's someone else's problem. Uh, my, what was the next one? Washington? Uh huh. How do I read? Um, These are 12 Washington beers. <laughs> we would trade to Washington Barbashev mm-hmm. and a second round pick for Andre Burakovsky, nice. who is who I kind of wanted 
rather than Zach Sanford, who we'll never talk about again, uh, in the Shattenkirk trade. It was also kind of rumored by LeBrun, I think, for a moment. It was like, ooh, Burkowski coming back, and then it was downgraded to Zach Sanford. Um, that's too bad. I have, I have to tell you this story on air real quick because it just caught me because I'm frantically searching Twitter while we podcast for any sort of hot news update. But our favorite Twitter freakout machine, who shall remain nameless, just <laughs> tweeted, and I quote, Jesus Christ, period. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a follower on Twitter who's who's very fun to follow, but he tends to have... Strong reaction. Yeah, this, this man is just hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Uh, yeah. So Barbashev and a third. Is that what I said? No, a second for Andre Burakovsky. I like it. That's a good trade. I like Burakovsky. That was the piece I hoped would be sexy, mm-hmm. Edward, like you said. But you know, it doesn't happen. Now. Well, wah wah wah. Oh no. That's a bad week for that. That's I know. I was just thinking that. Sorry, Corey Lewandowski's a scumbag. We all agree. Let's move on. Um, uh, you all know it. You, it's not news. No. So, um, I think we've whomped like 10 probably, times between yeah. the two of us this podcast. I, I, I kept reading that before I watched it, and it kept being spelled as womp womp, mm-hmm. and I was like, what? I was like, I guess that's a Down syndrome insult, but what? Like if they were like a Down syndrome child was separated from his mother and or from her mother or his yeah. mother, and you were like womp womp. It's like what? Because that's how I was reading. It. I think he meant it more as like a oh how like how sad sort of thing. Yeah. Like wham wham. I was like geez Louise. Yeah, I mean he was mocking the sadness of it, but still, <laughs> yeah, oh. it was a bad move. Oh, this isn't a political podcast. You know who sucks. Let's move on. I got a hot take. <laughs> uh, let's move on to my. Washington Capitals trade. Lots of goalies we're getting in this oh, deal. Oh, okay. And this one is Braden Hall. No, it's not. It's Philip Grubauer, the German native, who I didn't know was German. Uh, Has he still got time on his contract? No, he's an RFA. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, so we will give up next year's second round pick and Evan Fitzpatrick. To be honest, I'm I think I have a pretty good idea what the value of some players are. I have no idea what the value of an RFA backup goalie who could be a starting goalie but isn't necessarily mm. a starting goalie is. Uh, so that's He's what a I wrote. Um, they'd get a, a, a farther back goalie prospect and a good pick for him. And that, I think, is pretty fair, but who knows? Um so, yes, uh, Grubauer is a 26-year-old native of Rosenheim, Germany, and likes possums and long walks on the beach. <laughs> uh, he's likely to be the most interesting goalie name move this offseason. Grubauer spent much of this year stealing playing time from Braden Holpe, uh, and he is considered someone on the verge of possibly breaking out as a star starter. Um, they obviously can't afford to keep him behind Holpe, uh, but they could get a nice price for him. I'm pretty certain he'll be traded somewhere. Carolina. <laughs> Along with Carter Hutton and Scott Darling. Let's just make it a soup. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they'll carry three goalies all year because Tom Dundon doesn't care. <laughs> uh, so I don't honestly know. Like I said, I don't know what a package would be fair for him. Maybe this is too much. Maybe it's way too little. But that's what I threw out there. So there you go. And then my last trade, because Winnipeg's Jets trades aren't going to happen, it's a fourth-round pick for Joel Armia. Um, 
As I said, I wrote here, in-division trades are rare, but obviously Armstrong and Sheveldayoff have already shown that they can make it work. Uh, Armia is a nice bottom six player, I think, uh, but he's an RFA for a team that has lots of bigger concerns. Wheeler's a UFA next year. They've got Line A, Connor, Kyle Connor, and Andrew Kopp's RFA deals to worry about next year. Half of their defensive core literally is RFAs this year, including Truba and Morrissey. So they've got concerns right <laughs> in the here and now. Um, so the defensive metrics speak fairly well of Armia. Uh, and the possession metrics, and he's trusted to start uh, in the defensive zone because he's a good fourth-line player. Plus, he's a righty, and God knows the Blues need those. So hit me with what I am sure is your much better trade for Winnipeg, and I'm so sorry oh, that I no. ended on such a poor one. Oh, boy, man. Mine is a fifth-round pick for Joel Armia. Yeah, it's like, at least you had, like, metrics for, like, what <laughs> Joel Armia does. Um, mine, I literally wrote... Nothing. And what I mean by that is I wrote the word nothing. <laughs> um, so we're going to say Gaskin for Andrew Kopp. There you go. That seems like a fair thing, right? I don't know who Andrew... I mean, I know who Andrew Kopp is, but I don't know what... You know of is. him. I can't I think imagine, he's like a third or fourth line guy. I can't imagine he's worse than Dimitri Askin, but who knows? The old change of scenery play. I Look, like, like you said, Shovel Day Off's got so many different balls in the air right now that we go hey you ask him for coffee like yeah whatever like i got other shit going on yeah just whatever get out of my face doug armstrong <laughs> i've got bigger things to worry about than you doug yeah exactly um, so yeah so those are the ends of our trade which brings us to the end of our podcast however there's a, a very small bit of interesting breaking <gasps> news that's not really breaking oh. news but it is kind of and it is the following Elliot Friedman Oh boy this guy's a real guy the folks the best reporter in the NHL and the handsome <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah did a released a 10 thoughts which is 21 short Elliot in advance of tomorrow's draft tonight and number 3 mm-hmm. is there is word that a number of teams are asking St. Louis if there's any reason they would consider moving Colton Pareko. One of them has to be Edmonton, picking 10th. My guess is the price would be enormous. He's a terrific player on an excellent contract. Maybe they feel having Alex Petrangelo there gives the Blues reason to think about it. So with that tantalizing bit of sort of nothing, but kind of interesting, because at least there's talks happening. Does he move tomorrow? Uh, Colton Pareko with the Blues by the start of next season. I'm putting it at 30% no, 70% yes. But that's pretty high, I think. Yeah, that's I think he Colton Pareko's your chance of making a Big splash. Mm, that's the give to get yeah. trade. Yeah. So he's your best shot at making a huge trade. And if you don't get Tavares and you still feel like you need a huge deal, that's how you're doing it. But I don't know if it gets done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that tantalizing teaser for the weekend ahead, uh, we've got to let Ian get some sleep. And I have to get some sleep to watch the World Cup tomorrow because you were <laughs> loser. And then we will reconvene tomorrow night to talk all things draft on the Twitterverse. We will have our ads correspondent Jordan live in-house with us. So God knows where the party will take us. Um, I'm excited. I'm pumped. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm, re- I'm really stoked for the draft. I think it could be a lot of fun, which probably means it'll be nothing. And be prepared to hear 30 different executives say we'd like to thank Dallas for hosting us, and we'd like to congratulate the Washington Capitals. That you will hear a lot. The one Every thing time. I will protect is that you will hear both of those phrases plenty of times tomorrow. Until we speak again, which will be this weekend, thank you very much for listening, and have a good night. I'll be there, Zane. <laughs>